Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Mothman. There's no need to feel down, I said, Mothman. Lift that man off the ground, I said, Mothman. Cause you're new in town and there's kids to be abducted. <laughs> Mothman, there's a place you can go, I said, Mothman. Okay. When you make your eyes glow. All right, that's enough, Mothman. Why that I'm... is the song parody, Mothman, by Studio Bunny. Studio Bunny? Yeah, and I have the whole rest of the lyrics, and through these next episodes, they will come out periodically. Oh, boy. Are you excited for that? Uh, maybe. Good. <laughs> no, that was not a good All right, answer. if it's not evident, this is our season finale, episode 50, Yay. The Mothman. Wait, do the little cheering thing, like, yeah, whoa, yeah. Woo! Episode 50. Season finale. That's kind of further than I thought we'd get for a while. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, but yeah, so before we get into it, we want to thank everybody for making this possible. Uh, we're constantly upgrading the studio basically because you constantly are giving us positive feedback. So we're getting new things all the time, all the time. This actually looks like a professional studio. It's coming together. Did you think it's a moment for reflection before we get into this topic? Mm. Did you think when we started in that little tiny room (laughs) with that a hundred dollar soundboard and mic? Mike, one individual Mike. That we'd be here. I didn't think so. Now I wouldn't imagine that we're on the edge of glory of ten thousand downloads. Oh, that is close to we're glory. Just a couple weeks away, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. That's crazy. That it, is that is that is more than I thought we'd get in three years. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. Just keep chugging. And so we want to take this moment to thank everybody. I know we have an awesome, awesome group that we have on facebook and that listen nice core yes the constant feedback the fun the cryptids with coffee it's just it's been fun the whole time it's grown has this ever felt like work to anybody um no (laughs) i mean i just think it's a lot of fun doing it Mm. i don't think it's really not work is what i'm used to as work so same yeah this would be the only episode i would consider Almost close to work. Almost close and to work. It was work. just because it was so fun to research. It just took so many hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just compiling everything and how, kind of like That's me and you doing the phone calls, trying to get the structure we wanted for the episode. It's a big story. Yeah, right. And I want to do it right because I feel that a lot of podcast documentaries, everything about Mothman is very one-sided to fit their version of the story. It's it's 
None narrative driven. Narrative driven. Okay. And they the, have a narrative in their head. And it's not that deep when you scratch. Yeah. It's almost just scratching the surface. A lot of them. I mean, I'm not, not all of them. And a lot of them do go deep, but like I was, I guess it was, they have an end result in their mind. Gotcha. Okay. And they want the story to go that way. Okay. So, which now is. Now I'm following you. Yeah. Like, like any of the shows and stuff like that's just, they have a narrative. Mm-hmm. They have to get from point A to point B. So they tell the story to help them get from point A to point B. We're not doing that. We just a, want to tell the stories. A lot of this is just going to be presented information. We're going to try not to give our opinions on anything to the end. Emily, unfortunately, will be hopping in and out of these episodes or episode. I don't know. We don't know how long this is going to go. Someone has to earn money. Yeah. She has to work in this. But uh, So she'll be here for the first hour and a half, and then uh, she'll probably be back for the tail end tomorrow when we record the next day, if we to record the next day. Right. Um, See how long it takes to get through this whole thing. Yeah. So anything else to add before? Before starting? Nope. Um, nope. Okay. Just Once appreciative again, of everyone yeah. and... Glad we're here on this journey. Yeah, this has been amazing. Episode 50. Five is you row. And we already have episode 100 planned. Yeah. Uh, we do? Arkansas. Oh, duh. Sorry. Duh. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, speaking of that, we went to Point Pleasant two weekends ago to kind of do research and get us in the mood and the, the thoughts of Mothman. We did the whole walk. I know a lot of you guys watch our videos we put up for you guys. I know, like, we have a couple people in Canada, and I know we have a couple people in Sweden. So it was nice, you know, they may not actually get to come down and see the Mothman stuff. So I know it was nice for them to get a look at the, some of the structures and yeah, like, where stuff it. took places and stuff like that. It's definitely different being there than looking at pictures of there. Yes. Whole different experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's a different feeling. You can feel the presence. And the town is so nice. They're all mm-hmm. as sweet as can be. Yeah, it's a small little town. They embrace this pretty good. I agree. All right. Well, we're going to get right into it. That was five minutes of just nonsense. Gotta start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. P.S. I love these new mics because I'm leaning back for the first time doing this. See and it already it... makes me feel more relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> see, see how your energy changes on this one. All right. So, The Mothman. Bum, bum, bum. The one and only. Oh, wait. You forgot to say our names. How could I forget to say our names? Yeah. Hello, hello. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. <laughs> I'm Mr. E. I'm Jay. I'm Emily. And together, <laughs> we are Cryptids of the Corn. We cover all the major paranormal cryptozoological stories of the Midwest and Appalachia, but we'll pretty much tackle anything where there's corn. You got to bring energy. True. Where there's corn and where there may not be. Hey, if you can throw a kernel there, we'll be there. <laughs> okay, no, I'm settled for that. We're working on an Antarctica story right now, <laughs> yeah. but we're trying to make sure there's corn there, so it's kind of hard. Well, maybe I'll plant one there just to mail force it. it. We yeah. got to mail it. It's a nine-month waiting period, but it'll get there. By that time, the episode will come out. <laughs> 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 I can just see the Antarctic Research Station opening a tiny little box, <laughs> and it's a single corn, kernel, kernel of kernel. popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. What's this for? Did you, then you're calling call. on the phone. Did you, you get, get it yet? Did you get it? Did we get what? The kernel. Uh, yeah. The click. <laughs> yeah, all you it's need. like a horror movie. That's all we need. you would be haunting that scientist the rest of his life. Like, what the hell's a kernel all about? Do I plant it? Do I get rid of it? I should keep it. I definitely don't get rid of it. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's how you make the, that's how you make the, the cryptid of the corn mad. Uh, we have to make a corn cryptid. 
Anyways, so at first we're going to just cover a lot of uh, really basic information about the area because I feel like the area itself gets left out in a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely small town Appalachia. It's a river city, a river town. Literally right on the river. Yep. And there's a lot on the Ohio River, both on the West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio side that are mm-hmm. like this. They're very similar. Like Gallipolis is across the river. Okay. That's going to come up several times during this. Uh, but it's a different culture. It's really the Ohio River Valley, specifically the Ohio River towns, have their own kind of separate culture from Appalachia and stuff. Like, I love them. Uh, okay. I worked a lot on the Ohio River on both sides of it, you know, Kentucky, and Ohio, and West Virginia side, and Pennsylvania. I don't, I mean, I I was only there. That's the first time I've ever been there, so I don't mm-hmm. know, like, the culture I think that you're reaching at, but it's, it's as just, opposed to Appalachia. I guess yeah, I don't know Appalachia it's, it's a separate culture from Appalachia, for sure. Because it seemed like up here. I'll just, just put it that way. It was, it's like, it's like a hybrid. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because, like, when you go up to Pennsylvania, it has its own culture, but if you're on the Ohio River, it's just like Point Pleasant. Okay, understood. But if you go in 10 miles, it's a different place. Right. So this, it's a river culture. Yes, it's the Ohio River culture. Gotcha. Okay. And like we've already covered, there's a lot of cryptids. On the Ohio River. Specifically, yeah, with the Ohio River. A lot. And why is that? Boom, boom, boom. It's, the, it's radioactive. <laughs> we need to get one of those buttons that goes... Oh, that would be a good one. Like that? Um, yeah. Close enough. <laughs> Definitely a whole different vibe with that okay. one. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Point Pleasant is a city in the county of, or in Mason County, West Virginia, United States, at the confluence of the Ohio and the Kiowa River. The population is, in 2010, 4,350 at the census. It, it is the uh, principal city of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh, but yeah. That's pretty much it. Small little town. Yeah, it's pretty close to Ada size. Mm-hmm. It's just it's stretched out longer because it's along the river. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Geography. According Rip. to the United States <laughs> Census Bureau. I know, this is just, I'm getting the the info The out. basics yeah. out, yeah. The city has a total area of 3.1 square miles, which is smaller than, Ohio, than Ada, Ohio. Oh, okay. It's smaller in square miles, but same population. Where was I? Square miles. Oh, yeah. It's over. It's one quarter water, though. Oh, because... Is the city limits. Oh, okay. Two rivers and all the ponds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got a lot of... Small town, Mm -hmm. big river. (laughs) Well, I'm baiting in my head. Small town, big river. Do you want the the latitude and longitude? Uh... No. We'll okay. save you the numbers and letters. Well, I have both latitude and longitude, then I have exact latitude and longitude. <laughs> okay, approximate and exact. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, if you want to share that. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> it's Ohio River, southeast Ohio. Yeah. Ohio and West Virginia. And we're going to talk more about this guy, but it's it's home to Chief Cornstalk's uh, State Park. But his real name is To Edenway State Park. I'm going to say that's how it's pronounced. That was Cornstalk's real name? Yeah. Okay, okay. It translates to Cornstalk. Okay. It means the same thing in both languages. Okay, so understood. When we were when I was doing the research, I didn't want to call him an insulting name. I was worried that Cornstalk was something that was kind of placed on him mm. as a uh, maybe a derogative term or something like that. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. But as a research, no, it's a direct translation oh, okay. of his actual name. So it's nothing. It's what he His name was Cornstalk. Mm-hmm. It just... The Native American version of corn stock. Gotcha. And when there's corn, there's cryptids of the corn. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I know that's why he's very important. I think we need a portrait of Cornstalk for the wall somewhere. It'd be cool. Him and Tom Slick. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Where have they met? They could. They only. um, One was born like 100 years after the one died, but. Yeah. Maybe. 200 years. Maybe on some dimension they met. Sure, they did. They're rocking it right now. There you go. But yeah, I'm not going to get into all the demographics and stuff like that. It's predominantly white area right now. Uh, mm-hmm. you used to have heavy Native American culture and stuff like that. And when we were there, uh, I don't know if you guys can check out our Facebook live videos from when we were actually in, um, in the town. We had all like the videos of that whole mural mm-hmm. along the bridge. Yeah, but we're going to bring back up the mural. Okay. And Worth checking out. Yeah. Def- and then another little side note is if you're a guy, Point Pleasant is a place to move. Why is that? Uh, the male to female population is great. Oh, okay. If you're single. Okay, single male. Yeah. Point Pleasant. On average, for every 100 females, there's 83 males. But for every 100 females over the age of 18, there are 75 males over the age of 18. Jeez, okay, that is a big... It's a pretty, it's a pretty good uh, you know, difference. Hmm. Yeah. If you're a guy, not if you're a lady. If you're a lady, you pretty much pick whoever you can get. Slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the history. This is going to be a big history lesson for everybody. So just hang on for a little bit. That's what's fun, though. Yeah, because that's kind of what the murals are going into, and that's a really important part about Point Pleasant. Is it? This is something that gets skipped over a lot. Point Pleasant is a site of tons, tons of American history. Mm-hmm. Our whole modern culture is actually shaped. Out of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Oh, really? I mean, the biggest war we've ever had on U.S. soil started in Point Pleasant. That's where it started? Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. The first battle is attributed. There's two other places that kind of argue. Mm-hmm. It's like the first in flight thing. You're right, right, right. Uh, but yes, there's enough evidence to say yes. It was one of them. And yes. Say. It is, it, there are enough historians believe that this is the the birthplace of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And it is, the, for 100%, the Dunmore's War, which we'll get into. Yep. I remember that uh, statue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they did not do him justice. No. The painting looked a lot different than the statue. For sure. Oh, gosh. So the Shawnee Village, so this is the history of Point Pleasant. It was a Shawnee Village known as Upper Shawnee Town. It was established in this area well before 1749, which the Shawnees called Chinadostia. Okay. I think it's Chinadostia, or Chinadostia. Oh, I like that one better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you look at that word. Emily's trying to grab the paper <laughs> out of my hand. <laughs> yeah, you don't got one for that, do you? Yeah, she didn't even attempt it. <laughs> she didn't even attempt. Let's just go with. It's chin- got fifteen C's and five H's. Let's just go with Chinadostia. Chinadostia. Yeah, it looks like a German thing though. It's Shawnee. One and the well, same, right? I mean, yeah. Like... The Germans and the Shawnee. <laughs> yeah. Same group of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> One's very... Yeah. Same, the same oh, people. gosh. That's Listen, funny. I'm only running on like three hours. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're on fumes. So the Clairon Expedition is what we're going to go with this guy's name. Okay. Clairon. Calron. Sure. What would you call him? Elron. It's the E with the little line above it. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me take a look. Okay. Oh, gosh. 
I like what you said first. Let's go with that. Clelron? Kelron? Yeah. Kelron. Kelron expedition, which took place in 1749. So in the second half of the uh, in the second half of 1749, a French explorer, Pierre Joseph Clelron de Bellevue, uh, he died in 59, claimed French sovereignty over the Ohio Valley. Okay. Uh, bearing a land plaque at the meeting of the point of the Ohio River and the, the Quinoa River. So basically Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Okay. He buried a plaque there to prove. The plaque says as following. I can't read French, so I'm not going to read it. Ooh, I can. Can you really? Yeah, I can. Okay, where am I I, I just copied it. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I don't know. Did you have a translation? I do have a translation. Okay. Well, then read the translation. Know, we don't have to I read just, it in French because I could read this. You volunteered to read it. 1749. Rende Louis Roy de France. I'm not reading this. No. I thought you were untranslated as you were reading it for us. No, I can't translate. I can translate some words. I took four years of French. Don't play on your phone. But I couldn't tell you the whole thing. Please read the translation. Okay. In the year of 1749. There we go. In the reign of King Louis XV. Is that? I'm um, the ninth. Ninth. Okay. X- wait, wait. Sorry. XV. Is X- that eight? V. No, XV is 15. X and then V. 10. Five. Okay, I don't know. So fifteen. So King Louis the fifteenth of France. Uh, Clermont commander. Uh, yeah, basically, I'm not going to read this word for word because it's just it's just proclaiming during their journey as they claim this area for the French. Okay, makes sense. It's just a it's a a very a proclamation. It's or a very formal proclamation and a land barrel. We talked about that with our Portsmouth episode, mm-hmm. which is pretty close to the same time. Uh, it's like yeah, it six is. years after this. They uh, from the river they claim it with monoliths. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we call it a monolith. It's just a big. It's a shell cement, and it's like in the shape of the Washington Monument, which we'll get but, to later because there's like, a couple here in Point Pleasant. Obelisks. Obelisk. Yeah. Well, ba- same difference. Monolith, obelisk, mm-hmm. basilisk. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Basilisk, yeah. yeah. The big yeah. snake. <laughs> so this expedition can nevertheless be seen as more of a positive in terms of. Uh, the geographical project since the Claymore expedition was the starting point for the first map of the Ohio Valley. So basically uh-huh. this was their first point into the Ohio Valley. Uh, the map was the work of Jesset Joseph Perry de Bunacamp. Mm. Yeah. Pierre. Bunacamp? Yeah. What did I say? Pierre. Oh, Pierre, yeah. So in 1707, Colonel George Washington visited the confluence that would become Point Pleasant. Uh, he proceeded 14 miles up the Great Kiwa River and later reported this county abundant in buffalo and wild game of all kinds, as also all kinds of wild fowl and their beginning of the bottom of great many uh, small grease, or grassy ponds and lakes which were full of swans, geese, and ducks of different kind. Very different now. I was just going to say, it does not sound like what we saw at all. Mm-hmm. Now we've got... Uh... <laughs> Swamps full of uh, water that you advise you us touch, not yeah, to touch. Women die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was very adamant of not touching that water. Right. Uh, which we'll get to later. I have I have stuff about the ponds. And he's uh, usually wanting to get in the water. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. To go see what fish are there. <laughs> yeah, those fish have five eyes. So the Battle of Point Pleasant. <laughs> I'm just like, stop playing with it. I'm trying to tighten it. The so. Battle of Point Pleasant took place October 10th, 1774, fought on the fortune side of the town, or the future side of the town. Over 1,000 Virginia military men, led by Colonel Andrew Lewis, uh, defeated roughly equal forces of the Algonquin, uh, yeah, the Algonquin Confederacy of Shawnee 
and Mingo Warriors, led by Shawnee Chief Cornstock. So this is the first, yeah, the battle. first battle Cornstock was involved with in the area. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, the event uh, is celebrated locally with the first battle of the American Revolutionary War. And in, in 1908, the U.S. Senate uh, authorized erection of local monuments commemorating it as such. Most historians, however, regard it not as the Battle of the Revolutionary War, but the ba- the large part of Dunmore's War, 1774, which is ah. what, so they're arguing. Is, is this what is leading up to Dunmore's War, or yeah, was this? Dunmore's War started in 74. Gotcha, okay. So, yeah, and the Dunmore's War was against the natives. Gotcha. Keep that corn stock in mind, because he comes back later. People yes. blame him for a lot. He sure does. Mm-hmm. He, they had a pretty awesome mural of him on that uh, on that wall there at Point Pleasant. Yeah, him getting shot in the head? Well, or about to. Oh, I guess his kid was dead, not yeah. him. Yeah. All right. You want to read the settlement? Sure. And then hand it back when we get to Cornstock. All right, cool. I'm sure they're tired of me reading. It's all right. <laughs> they're here for Mothman. We've done nothing but talk about the Civil War. Well, that's all right. We got to start somewhere. You got to lay the foundation for Mothman before he comes in. All this plays a part, you know? Mm-hmm. So settlement, Camp Point Pleasant, was established by Colonel Lewis. At the time of the battle and the settlement that followed also took the same name. So Camp Point Pleasant's the name of the settlement, also the name of the battle. Or was it they go Battle Point Pleasant? Battle Point Pleasant. Okay. Although not certain, Point Pleasant may have been permanently settled by whites as early as 1774. A permanent stockade known as Fort Blair was erected there about the same time. Prior to that, hostilities between whites and Indians along the Ohio River Valley probably precluded the possibility of a settlement in the absence of a substantial stockade. In 1776, a new fort was built upon the site of the earlier fort and named for the recently deceased Virginia official Peyton Randolph. And it's still called Fort Randolph, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I read that when we were there. Fort Randolph is best remembered as a place where Chief Cornstalk was murdered in 1777. Emphasis on murdered. Murdered, yes. <laughs> Let's underline that one. Moitered. Moited. He was moited there, I swear. It withstood attacks by Indians the following year, but was abandoned in 1779. That's kind of nuts. So it was there for two years before it was abandoned. Didn't last very long, did it? Yeah, they weren't too happy about Cornstalk's death. Right. Um, you think they would still be able to hold the fort down or something? No, I'm saying that the Native Americans went nuts. Oh, yeah. That was like, not to be, I don't know how to say it. Basically, they shot the guy holding the pit bull's leash. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Good way to put it. So George Washington's 1770 journey to the Ohio River Valley had been occasioned by military grants that had been awarded by proclamation. I know, it's very heavy. In 1754 by Governor Dinwiddie to officers and soldiers who had served in the French and Indian War. The resulting survey encompassed 52,302 acres or 40 square miles and was subdivided in the 1780s as followed. So now we're, we're going to talk about how they split up Point Pleasant. Um 9,876 acres, including the present side of Point Pleasant, to Andrew Lewis, 5,000 acres for George Muse, 5,000 acres for Peter Hogg, 8,000 acres acres for Andrew Stevens, and another 3,000 acres for Peter Hogg. So we got eight out of all of it. Peter did. Don't know who that is, though. 
Another 5,000 acres for George Muse. 3,400 acres for Andrew Wagner. Skip ahead. Yeah, this is a lot. So basically, let's... Because there's a lot. There's a lot more names, too. Yeah. So it looks like they separated this all up. Um, Fort Randolph was rebuilt nearly nearby in 1785 after the renewal of hostilities between the United States government and the Indians, um, or Native Americans, but saw little action and was was eventually abandoned once again. The settlement at Point Pleasant did not receive an official charter until 1794. Yeah, so basically, so that's it. You already read that one. Yeah, no. I was just going back to the dates. Yeah, so yeah, basically on and off, Point Pleasant was controlled and then abandoned, and then controlled and then abandoned. Yeah, controlled, battleground, abandoned. That's a a big chunk of Dunmore's War, is the Native Americans just coming back and fighting. Uh, so we're going to talk about Cornstock now. Okay, this is and where this it gets is, juicy. Yeah. And the reason he's, besides all the uh, American history stuff, the reason he's important is sometimes the Mothman gets blamed on him, specifically. Mm-hmm. I and, wonder why. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay. So, sorry, I got a sniffle. Foreshadowing. Yeah, dramatic irony. So Chief Cornstock, born roughly 1720, we're not exactly sure, because they kind of keep birthdays a little different than we do. So it's just a little hard to kind of be really, really sure. Their records aren't as not just kept. different. Yes, different. Okay. Uh, and he died November tenth, seventeen seventy seven. He was a Shawnee leader in the Ohio County or in the Ohio country uh, in the seventeen sixties and seventeen seventies. His name, uh, Shawnee language, is so he's got several different names. I'm going to try to pronounce them all. So everybody, forgive me. <laughs> Hope Sloliqua. Hope Sloliqua. Okay. That kind of sounds right. That's a pretty good attempt at it. Uh, little is known about his early life. Uh, he may have been born in the Providence of Pennsylvania in the... Se- er, yeah, he may have been born in Providence, Pennsylvania, period. In 1767, uh, he reportedly uh, led a raid against the British-American colonists in Pontiac's War. Uh, his first appearance in historical documentation is in 1764, when he was one of the hostages surrendered to the British as part of the peace negotiations at the ending of Pontiac's War. Hmm, okay. Uh, when the British-American colonies began expanding into the Ohio country, Cornstock played a major part in the defense of the Shawnee homeland. He was a primary Shawnee war chief in, Dun- in Lord Dunmore's War in 1774, leading Shawnees and other Native American warriors against colonists in the Brit- Battle of Point Pleasant. So he was the guy against them. After, surre- or after suffering defeat in the battle, he became an advocate of Shawnee neutrality in the American Revolutionary War, which began in 1775. Many Shawnee fought against the Americans, hoping to regain their lost lands. But Cornstock was among those who feared that fighting the Americans would provide disastrous and destructive for the Shawnee people. Mm-hmm. He was right. Yes. But either way, it, it, wasn't, going, it wasn't going good. Mm-hmm. Turns out you could have gone down fighting or swinging or just gone down... Peacefully. Yeah, we'll see how neutrality leads him in a second. Uh, in 1777, Cornstock made a diplomatic visit to Fort Randolph in Virginia, which is now West Virginia. At that point, it was all Virginia, mm-hmm. Virginia territory, hoping to learn American uh, intentions and kind of just broker peace. And at this point, basically, this doesn't talk about it, but a lot of the other tribes were going along with Cornstock. They agreed that, hey, if Cornstock can make peace, we'll follow whatever agreement. Yeah. And so this was very important for not just the Shawnee tribe that Cornstock led, but a lot of the other tribes in the area. I believe a twelve in total. 
for the Ohio River Valley, which is a lot. Yeah. But they all kind of were like, we know Cornstock. We know he's a good guy. He's an amazing uh, chief. Mm-hmm. If he can broker peace with the, Ameri- the British Americans, then we'll go along with whatever agreement they settle. Right, the follow suit, yeah. basically. So this would this could have been a really big turning point for probably the positive. Because mm-hmm. the Shawnee kind of led to why we treated some other tribes the way, because the Shawnee were such good fighters mm-hmm. that we didn't give other tribes the chance to fight. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Or, or even a chance to defend. Yeah. <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, wiped a lot of them off the map. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he and his three others, uh, were imprisoned, yeah, were imprisoned in Fort, uh, Commander when the American military men were, were killed by natives in Fort Victory, uh, angry soldiers executed Cornstock and other prisoners. His murder enraged the Sonnies and yeah, basically there was no going back after this. And that's yep. what, you know, really ramped up war. The straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, because the, all these other tribes in the Shawnee were looking at Cornstock to be like, okay, if he brokers peace or when he comes back, we'll do what he says. And then as far as they know, and I think that the, there's some saying that the raid against the base or the other base, the other fort, mm-hmm. was staged. Ah, okay. Because some of the guys wanted a fight with yeah. the Native Americans. And there's some that's saying it was a completely different tribe that had nothing to do with them. And that was another thing. A lot of the... British American settlers had a lot of trouble distinguishing tribes, like between between each between other, between actions and stuff like that. Okay, like um, just because the Shawnee are saying peace and the other tribes not, when that's the Native Americans, that's mm-hmm. all one to yeah, them. Yeah, right, right, and that's so. There's some arguments of what actually kicked this off, but either way, basically, like Cornstock and his sons were pulled out. They Cornstock was famous for saying, you know, don't pick a fight. You know, just just you know, just go down. And they shot and killed them all. Man, this reminds me of a. You ever seen the movie they called The Warriors? Mm-mm. So it's like all these gangs in New York, and they're all like, they all come together to like gather in one spot. And there's one leader of one gang that kind of has a voice with all of them. So he's like announcing to all these, you know, if we all come together and we all fight as one, you know, we can basically fight against the police and stuff, and we can have peace amongst ourselves and have a lot better situation going on here and then one guy shoots the guy and one of the gang members yeah and he goes down and then it's just chaos amongst all the gang members because they all want to now they all just want to fight each other and everyone doesn't matter who you are another thing it kind of reminds me of too similar to that is i guess in a way is martin luther king yeah Jr. Yeah. martin luther king jr mm-hmm. you know everything was pretty peaceful until he got shot mm-hmm. and they were mad which they should have been mm-hmm. yeah it just it reminds you know don't shoot the guy that's trying to bring peace. Peace, yep. That's not the best. If especially, yeah, that's not the best move. Never. It just just doesn't. If seem you to got end a well. guy that's trying to hold everybody back, and is willing to be the face, he came to this fort on peace treaties undefended. Mm-hmm. No war party, which is something that gets skipped over him a lot. Mm-hmm. Most tribe chiefs and stuff like that would not. They'd come with a war party, just like a president would come with the Secret Service, right? And everything something. Like that. Yes, yeah, you come with protection. He's like, no, this is for peace. Yep. He. Put full faith, and obviously he shouldn't have. Right, correct. But yeah, so basically, well, yeah, he's accredited to being the only voice of like moderation of the Shawnee at the time. The rest of the Shawnee were 
like, rightfully wanting to take their land back. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and Cornstalk was one of the few people that understood. He'd seen the battles, and he'd seen how they were getting slaughtered. The writing is on the yeah, wall. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we can't win this. This mm-hmm. is just, we just got to try to make peace and figure out what's going to happen next. Make the best from this point going forward. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to talk about the Mothman connection with Chief Cornstalk. Okay. So here we're getting to Mothman, finally. We're a half hour in, finally touching on Mothman. It's our first Mothman connection, right? Yep. So still others believe that the embodiment of the or yeah, a 200-year-old curse by Chief Cornstalk is the cause of the Mothman. This curse can be tracked back to the death of Chief Cornstalk and several of his tribesmen, his kids mostly. In this area. Yeah. Uh, Chief, I'm not going to trans, I'm not going to say his name again, but Chief Cornstock, uh, wanted peace in America's colonists, which we already kind of talked about. So I'm like on the day he traveled to the fort, I'm trying to get to where the curse is. Cause it's mostly just rehashing what we already covered. Right, right, right. So here's what some people claim that Cornstock spoke before he died. Others claim the peace talk, brother, you know, my son's put down, you know, don't fight, blah, blah, blah. Others say... Here's what he like a translation of what he said. I was the border man friend. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warned or never warred with you, but only the protector our wingman, the and the lands. I refuse to join your pale-faced enemies with the red coats. I came to the fort as your friend and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side my young sons. For this, may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this land. May it be blightful by nature. May it even be blightful in its hopes. May its strength of our people be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. Dang, that's pretty deep. Mm. So that's kind of, yeah. And then, yeah, that's pretty much like, did that happen though? Well, that's the argument is yeah. like, if that is like, if he really said that, that's scary. Did he say, what did he say about, did he say winged something? What do you say? It's wing band, wing, wing wham. Oh, never it's mind. a, I, I think it's a native American word. It's a spirit. Gotcha. Okay. I looked it up. I couldn't really figure out what it was. Okay. Uh, it's a Shawnee thing. I don't know. Interesting. It's just like a, like one of their spirits, but there's no like depiction. Right, right. It don't look like somebody drew a Mothman. Right. Yeah, that would be simple enough right yeah, there. Right there. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got big red eyes and these huge black wings. You okay, Em? Yeah. She's just tired. <laughs> but yeah, so what do you guys think about the curse? Well, what do you think about Chief Cornstalk first? Let's do that. This is our first break. I think he is a, was a man in good faith coming to... Bring peace, which is a positive thing. And then when that is turned on its head, basically, and it got pile drivered into the ground, <laughs> just so to speak, that can cause a lot of trauma or a lot of negativity to be sprouted in that area. Mm-hmm. So to say it leads to a Mothman, sure, maybe. But to say it's definitely led to negative energy in that area now, absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, we'll talk about, is that a side effect, or is that the cause? Right, we'll yeah. We'll talk about that later. We have a whole section on that. Mm. What do you think, Em, about Cornstalk in particular? Uh, I think that he tried, and then they just weren't doing it. 
<laughs> Fair point. It's tragic. Point counterpoint. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was not happening? So I do kind of see it with the like curse thing, kind of like. So do you believe he actually cursed these people? I think so. You believe in the curse kinda that like, he? I mean, I could get why he would. Kind of like the what was that one we went over? The Leeds family. Yes, the Leeds Devil, the Jersey Devil. Mm. Yeah, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think about the curse, Jay? Well. At the same time, though, Moth Mothman never, uh, I would say, hurt anybody. Oh, you're spoiling stuff. In my mind, I don't know. I'm. Are you maybe, sure he never hurt anybody? Well, I don't think so. Are Other, you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay. I think. I'm I just think. picking on you. Okay. Well, yeah, not to jump ahead. But, he didn't purposely hurt anybody. Okay, there we go. So I'm saying the curse may, may not necessarily he be... He put people in the hospital. Okay. The curse may not have been something like to physically hurt anybody, but just maybe something for that area for people acting in bad faith as But do you believe he actually cursed the land and the white settlers? I would say if he spoke it, he did it. I would say so. But yeah, there's the argument is did he actually speak because there's there's sources that right. go back and forth that say no he didn't do this. Oh he didn't actually even say it. That's the just... that's what I was saying. There's gotcha. arguments whether that's gotcha. real or not. I could see him doing that just for the fact that the see, way he acted in good yeah. faith and they I could, didn't. I don't think he did it. Okay. Because he was a man of pure intention up till the end. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would turn on a dime on his deathbed. Mm. I think he'd be upset, but I think he just didn't. He didn't want any more fighting. He didn't want any more bloodshed because he told his kids not even to fight. Yeah. So that's just going to bring more bloodshed and terror. I think he had enough in his life. Very, I'm very possible. I just think he just. I do also think someone that just watched their kids be murdered and then yeah, that could change a and person. As you're dying, you might say a thing or two that is out a bit out of character. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, I could see it either way, but I'm <laughs> saying I'm putting my bucket in. No, he was a man of integrity up until the end. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't something he would do. Okay. And it's something I, I was looking into the Shawnee tribe. They didn't. They weren't cursors either. Okay. It was kept... some of the other like out western tribes and stuff like that that actually dealt in the voodoo mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, it's not voodoo, but yeah, it's African. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but the Algonquins were here too, dealing with this. Okay. As far as I know, they weren't big into the whole curses yeah. and things. Yeah, both a hex big, on you, you know, and your go- family, and both your... amazing warriors. Yeah. Uh, the Shawnee and the Algonquins. Interesting. That's why Algonquin words are all over the country. Oh, okay. Wait, we got Shawnee here. Yeah, we have this... a lot of Shawnee in our part. Yeah. But yeah, it's just tragic what happened to Chief Cornstalk. It yeah. really is. It really is. He was a, a man for peace in a time where peace was needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, exactly, 100%. A lot, of, a lot of tragedy in this area, as we'll find out. Yeah, this is definitely a hotbed of just horror and did it start there was that why and see that's the thing we're going to get into is this that really isn't the first horrible thing to happen mm, not the first yeah okay and uh, first no mothman at this point correct but just constant like battles and death here yeah and it's because it's a very powerful spot as in you take the midwest that's the entry into the midwest yep. you have access to the giant river to mm-hmm. travel 
And the, yeah, the giant river there. Yep. The two giant rivers are for travel. Mm. It's the, co- the confluence. So you can actually move giant loads of goods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when I say powerful, I mean it is a strategic point. Yes. Because oh, you're okay. over the other side of the mountains into the flatlands. Mm-hmm. And that's the entryway into the Midwest to take, you know, if you're conquering. Correct. It's yeah. a strong point to have. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And if you're trying not to be conquered, it's a strong point to hold. Exactly. So is that why there was so much death there for years? Or is it because there's something else? Mm. Something else. Uh. I'm going with like the, what's that thing called where it's like the port thing? Portal? A portal. Not a portal, but it's like a heavy, like all the activity happens there because. Portal area. Is that what it is? Yeah. But it's not like an actual portal that you. Mm-hmm. A window area. Sure. Okay. But yeah, that. Okay. Where, where flaps take place. Mm-hmm. Jumping ahead by 100 years or so, several hundred years. Okay. I'm not good at math. The TNT power plant and power station. It's built, constructed? It's constructed in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Mm, nice. So the, it's formerly known as the West Virginia Ordnance Works and is located, uh, locals dubbed it the TNT area. It is now an overgrown wildlife preserve located in Mason County, but several miles north of Point Pleasant. It is also known as the McClintic McClintic? McClintock. Wildlife Management Area. The 3,655 acres of wildlife management area is occupied by 600 acres of farmland, 180 acres of wetland, incompressed 31 ponds, uh, 1,100 acres uh brushland in 1775 acres of mixed hardwood forest yes so that's what it is now and that's where we went yes when we were a lot of our videos and stuff like that we're walking around this and stuff like that i remember seeing the signs for the park or whatever Mm -hmm. the mcclinton i think that's how it's pronounced something like that yeah uh so part of the area was used to produce in uh or produced was used to manufacture and store ammunition for world war ii so this was like you know, everybody talks about the tank plant mm-hmm. in Lima, Ohio. Was yeah. 51 on Hitler's bombing list when he got here. Really? Yeah, this was number three. No way. Behind the Capitol and behind New York. And then this spot right here. Yeah. Did not know that. Because this is where all of our explosives and everything were produced. Interesting. I didn't know it was number three on the list. That's pretty high. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hitler wanted this gone. Hmm. And that's saying something. Mm-hmm. So almost 100 large concrete domes. Uh, that is often called ig- the igloos or the bunkers were built into the ground to house explosives. They were designed to not be noticed from the air. And that's why they have dirt and stuff on top of them. Mm. Like we talked about, you know, you're from the sky and stuff, you can't see them. Yeah, just kind of, and very similar to uh, when you look on the map, when we looked at like the Finger Lakes area in mm. New York, whatever those are, there's something underground. There's something like that. It, you can't see from the air. Interesting. Those domes were awesome. Those little igloo domes. Mm-hmm. You get inside of it, and your voice just resonates. What do you like, think, Em? Of the igloo domes. I liked them. I like how they echoed. Mm-hmm. They echoed like nuts. Yeah, you could was, whisper it in my head. It was like... It was nuts. I actually got scared, act pretty scared in the one when you guys closed this in there. <laughs> Can I tell you about black? that? It wasn't pitch black. Because Nick's was, standing in the dark. Well, there was that one light in the middle. But when you close when you close the doors, all you could see was that one little light, and you couldn't see anything it outside of it. Out, yeah. And then he come running from the door into that light, scared the crap out of me. One, <laughs> but then his footsteps run. It sounded like eight people were running around <laughs> me. It's, I knew it was just us, but it still scared me. Mm-hmm. So a forty-five million dollar power plant that was installed in the TNT area. 
um, when it was the ordnance plant. It also had its own power plant. Mm, okay. Employed 3,500 people at its peak from 1942 to 1945. Oh, geez. Only those three years? Mm-hmm. Had almost 4,000 people working. Wow. Yeah. So many of the Mothman sightings have taken place in or around the TNT area, leading people to think that it's a uh, Mothman's home or hideout, and we know there's a lot of places to hide, oh, especially yeah. in the 60s when we're going to get to 66 and 67. Um, the abandoned North Power Plant building is, was located, uh, the location of several Mothman reports, including the uh, initial Scarberry and Mullet report or sightings that first took place to make in the local papers in November of 66. That's the famous ones we're going to get to later. Mm-hmm. That's when all the stuff started happening. Yeah. Yeah, the teens speculated that the creature, uh, which locals referred to as simply the bird. So for a long time, it wasn't called the Mothman. It was called the bird or the bird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived in the North Power Plant, which has now been just tearing, fully torn apart. Okay. It used to be a giant, giant building. There was just all the windows were broken out of and stuff like that. Yes, it's gone now. Mm-hmm. The, event, the building eventually came... Uh, to be known as the birdhouse for this reason. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, the locals called it the birdhouse. So he was definitely uh, seen there often. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into the sightings in a lot of detail later. Mm-hmm. But through uh, 66 to 67, many West Virginia locals and sight seekers flocked to the area and uh, trying to find the monster. Volunteer police officers and firemen established that each car in the area had at least one gun. They were making sure they had at least one gun. I'm going to make that clear. Yeah. They were checking. Firefighters and police officers were like, do you have a gun in the car? Just to defend yourself from this? Yes. They were scared of it. Ma- imagine that now. Yeah. You got a gun? Yeah. Take a mine. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You got a gun? No. Here. Take this one. I got extras in the trunk. Yeah. And just bring it back when you're done. Yeah. It would not fly. Yeah. They were, they were actually like, it was so weird. It was a weird thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was later revealed that the TNT area was horribly polluted. And many of the ingredients that went into making the ammunitions were dumped and left to seep into the local ponds. Uh, pond 13 here, that's the one we were right beside. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's bad. So I have a little thing about it. Pond 13 is known for having the worst effects. A woman fishing in the pond discovered a red water seep, uh, pointed it out to the wildlife biologist named Tom Dotson. Which I graduated with Tom Dotson. Yeah, I know who that is. A, a Tom Dotson. Yeah. <laughs> he sent it to the lab and discovered it, w- it contained uh, high levels of TNT. So it was just pouring out and it was liquid. The, there was, yeah. Liquid TNT pouring mm-hmm. into this pond. Okay. Yeah. And here's a cool thing. In the 1970s, not really cool. In the 1970s, scientists declared the area an environmental disaster and became one of the top EPA Superfund cleanup sites. So mm. a Superfund EPA site. I actually, our good friend, Frank Wattel, up in Alaska, his wife worked for the EPA, and she did some super fun or super fun sites. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I knew uh, there's one in there's one in Ohio down by Cincinnati, where like a bunch of radioactive sludge got into a water table, and uh, they have it secretly contained. Ugh. Okay. And it's a super fun site. You know what a super fun site means, basically? Um, they, they put a is, bunch of money into it to clean no, it up. Kinda. A lot of paperwork. Okay. Well, both are correct, except <laughs> there's no budget. Oh, so it takes as much as it. It There's needs, no budget. As much as it needs to clean up, mm-hmm. you're going to spend it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. To clean up or contain. Yeah. Because it's that dangerous mm-hmm. that we can't deal with... Not cleaning with it. ...with paperwork. Yeah. The, the stop. Like, if, it, if we need this done today, just get it done and we'll worry about it later. Yep. 
So there's only a handful of these in the U.S. But yeah, so basically it's just saying this is so severe. And keep in mind, it took them years arguing about the radioactive sludge they were dumping in the Ohio River. Yeah, yeah. It took, you know, decades. To do anything about it. Yeah. These Superfund sites are like, yeah, no, uh, write a check. Let's go. Get over there now. Mm-hmm. Man. So you see why I wanted you out of the pond? Yeah, I didn't know... It's just crazy how they can let something just get so bad, like with well, zero disregard. Yeah, keep in mind it was the end of the, the mid the end forties, and they're like, "All right, we're done. Cover it up." Right, exactly. They don't care. Yeah. So, the old North Power Plant building once stood on the property was demolished in the early nineteen nineties. It was thought to be unsafe because of the frequent trespassers and the state of the building's decay. Basically, they wanted it gone because there were so many people going to this thing, looking for the Mothman constantly. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's going to collapse and kill a bunch of people mm-hmm. any given time. So, so they, they just had to tear it down. Dang. So they abandoned the whole they abandoned the whole plant and everything? Or the TNT? Yeah, late or late 40s. They just abandoned it and let that sit. And then the power mm-hmm. plant itself, they were just done with it, let it yeah. sit until it needed to be torn down, condemned, I guess? Basically, yeah. Okay. So it wasn't actually in use anymore. No, it was a yeah. It was way yeah. Everything was abandoned at this point. For sure. Okay. When, yeah, especially in the sixties when we get to that. The Division of Natural Resources uh, leased out several dozen of the concrete TNT bunkers in the you know the Claning Wildlife Management Area to businesses looking for unique storage. Hmm. So they used to let you store stuff in them like they'd run them out and let you lock them so okay so it turned into a big storage locker that didn't stay for very long yeah because on may 17 2010 the underground storage bunker filled with uh, ammunition it was actually tnt uh exploded in the tnt area empty barrels and metal storage boxes were thrown everywhere some landing as far as 100 feet away from in the nearby swamp the steel doors were thrown off and the ceiling which was made of six inches of concrete Lifted up and caved in. The bunker uh, contained... Here you go. How much do you think it contained? This is the one that blew up. Gosh, I can't even imagine. I don't even know how to measure it. A lot. <laughs> what do you think is a lot? Let's just say gunpowder. That's one thing they actually let us know was in this thing that blew up. 6,000 tons. That's a lot. 6,000 tons of 12,000 pounds? Yeah. Uh, no, 6,000 tons. Because one ton is two. Two thousand. So what is six thousand tons? Shoot, I don't know. One hundred and twenty thousand pounds. Is something like that? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, Emily's too high. Okay, yeah, I was just gonna say like probably I don't know a thousand pounds of it. And you're too low. Okay. Fifteen to twenty thousand pounds of military issued gunpowder. Yeah, and then other stuff. They don't talk about the other stuff. Other stuff. Well, unquote other stuff. Mm The West Virginia State Police and the federal authorities temporarily shut down the area later that year. They performed a full sweep of the property looking for illegal and potentially dangerous explosives before reporting or reopening the area. The Mothman Festival still gives tours of the TNT area mm-hmm. each year. Which we um, almost we, infiltrated. Yeah, we were following one around until I got a migraine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, surprise, yeah. It just. What if someone just dropped explosives down in one of those holes and blew one of them up? Just to do it. Is that a possibility? I doubt it. But yeah, so here's another article about the same stuff. Uh, was it possibly, they said, uh, basically the actual article never mentions what material it was, but it says 20,000 pounds of unstable material. TNT. A lot of people think it was TNT. <laughs> right. They didn't want to admit they left. Some in there. 20,000 pounds of TNT unaccounted for 
until 2010. Yeah, 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 exactly. Unless some guy was just storing his own Two, made... 20,000 pounds of TNT? You don't know what people do in their free time. If people can find 100 pounds of TNT, that's like so illegal and so great. Right, yeah. Maybe it was just a big thing of Tannerite. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or just straight TNT. All right. So here's our first... Before we get into the main story, which is going to be a lot, we're going to talk about just kind of the general possibility of an underground base being under the TNT plant during this, the 40s. Mm. So why how, why would there be an underground base? Emily, uh, you got any thoughts? Safety. What do you mean? Ex- explain that more. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to hear more. Because then they're like not having to worry about that above ground. Yeah, because they know it's secured. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's one. That's one of my. That's one of my lists that I had already defended because on top of it would be, like you were saying, a TNT ordnance plant for World War II that is heavily guarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had. Power. There's, uh, yeah, the power. That's another good one. There's already a power plant that doesn't go anywhere else but the TNT plant. Yeah. So you don't see a drop in the power grid. Yeah. If you're running a giant underground base that may be doing. Really crazy experiments. Things that, you know, you can't see, like, what's actually Things that are on. a little stranger. Yeah, things that are maybe confidential. Did you get that joke? Yes. <laughs> the delayed reaction. Things that are a little stranger. I mean, I've heard of... I'm trying weirder not, things than that yeah i've heard of weird i've heard of weird things being underground i've seen that there was a kid with nosebleeds that the shaved head ran out of the tnt plant one time oh yeah when we were there last weekend mm-hmm. no she, that was me <laughs> uh but yeah power supply it's already no, defended yeah the shaved head there's already a super large military presence there so nobody would think anything twice of seeing all the military vehicles going out of there constantly right because you've already got mm-hmm. a foothold there a huge water supply, mm. which for stuff we're going to talk about way later on in these episodes. I thought the water was bad. No, no, the river, not the mm. not the ponds. But good point. Yes, the river, the water, the ponds are bad. Rivers good, or better. Moving water. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of a general hiding in plain sight kind of. Deal. I was that was going to be my thing. Is you're hiding. You're there, but if as long as you're underground see it's already a military base mm-hmm. it's already a factory everybody's nobody's looking at this for anything special because you know what's produced there mm-hmm. you don't go on it because there's explosives stored everywhere right yeah you know what's done there who would want to sneak in there who would no one mm-hmm. want to sneak in there i wouldn't want to do the step on the wrong thing and get blown up you know you never know so we're 55 minutes in mm-hmm. and we just start talking about mothman so this is going to be our first break yeah so we'll be right back guys Emily will probably not be here for the rest of this, right? No, no, probably not. Okay. But yes, so thank you. I know the front half of this is, or the front part of this is pretty heavy-ended with just history. facts of the area. History. history yeah. yeah. But it's very important for later. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're doing right now. We're setting the stage. But uh, yeah, an hour of setting the stage. And then we're getting into stories. And it gets weird. It gets weird fast. All right, guys. We'll be right back.
I say Mothman. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, there was welcome. another verse of that. I Yeah, welcome back to Crips of the Corn. I'm the Mr. E. And I'm I'm Jay. I'm, and season, we're, I'm season one, Jay. Season one, Jay. And I'm Mr. E, your professor in the strange and unusual and fish. Oh, yeah, see, you got it going on. <laughs> I could only think of Stacy's mom when you said that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stacy's mom. That's how my brain works. Jay will say a phrase, and then I start singing. Mine's the same way, but because, and you know about that song? I have an Aunt Stacy. So whenever I'm seeing that song, I'm thinking, like, that's my grandma, you guys. <laughs> Don't look my grandma that way. Fun fact, first time I ever heard that song is at my grandma's house. I was a little embarrassed. <laughs> we were watching Dave Letterman, and that band came on as a guest. Played that song at Stacy's mom's house. <laughs> what are the odds? So we're going to get into the main sightings, the main stories, and then we're going to get into some not-so-heard stories in a couple books we mm-hmm. have. And then we're going to get into the untold stories. Okay. So oh, yeah. Yes. These are stories. The last set of stories will be ones that are documented that nobody talks about. And mm-hmm. it always bothered me. Mm-hmm. Especially the more I researched this, the more we got into it. It's like, why is this not talked about? Discussed. You know why? And we talked about it in the first part of this, is it doesn't fit anybody's narrative. If you're trying to push for the extraterrestrial, it doesn't fit. Trying to uh, put the the omen of the bringer of death or the omen of death, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit. The chief cornstalk curse, it doesn't fit. Um, the the, uh, the one we'll talk about at the end, it fits the lost dog scenario. Is that with the S H C Sand Hill? Oh, yeah. Don't bring him up to the end. I don't I want to talk. I don't want to talk about him at all until we have to. <laughs> that is the stupidest news article. <laughs> I know. No, it's not. Hold on to your britches. I know because I got one. Jay's got a surprise for all of us, including me. But until I hear this, the Sandhill Crane article that says this is a Sandhill Crane is the stupidest single thing I've ever heard because of the Scarberry and Mallet's report, and that's how you'd pronounce her name, right? Is Mallet? Yes. Okay. Yep. If you believe that this encounter, I believe this these couples, there's four witnesses to this one. I believe their story pretty much 100%. Mm-hmm. And if you watch our, go on our Facebook, we actually drove on the road where they were driving 100 miles an hour escaping the Mothman. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But it was a Sandhill Crane that scratched the car and flew 100 miles an hour and was screaming at them the whole time. Let's let's come back to that comment after we already after we tell a story so now they can see the sarcasm in your voice. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> the uh, Scarberry and Mallet wrote in the following report just days after the supposed Mothman encounter of November 15th, 1966. 1966. That's an important mm-hmm. year for all this. 1966, 1967. Uh, the documents give uh insight that the earliest be- uh, the earliest beginnings of the West Virginia's Mothman legend. These reports were not part of the public record until they were used in the publication of Jeff Wormsley's book. I think that's how you pronounce his name? Wormsley? Yeah. So it's close enough. W-A-M-S-L-E-Y. And that book we use a lot for this episode. Wormsley. Wormsley. So sorry, Jeff. I'd love to have you on the show. Sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. If you ever listen to our show, you'll see you're not alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's actually 
So it was, yeah, it wasn't used until that book. Mothman, Facts Behind the Legend. I actually have Mothman Behind the Red Eyes uh, because the other one was sold out. Mm-hmm. So but both are by him. They're great books. A lot of resources there mm-hmm. at the Mothman Museum. But yeah, the pages, all of which were one part of uh, Linda Scarberry's collection documents, were later put into the Mothman Museum for all to see. So these are word for word, basically, what you can read and see. Mm-hmm. You got your thing ready yeah, to go? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, i am got it ready. You keep saying the names, and I'm just biting it. Yes. So this is a lot. This is a big story. All right, so this is Linda Scarberry's report. This is her official police report. Okay. So this is what she told the cops. And keep in mind, this is 67. Uh, these are two young couples. They were out necking. Because that's what couples used to do is just go out and make out, I it, guess. It's It was a different time. Yeah, you know what I don't want to do is go... In a car with another couple and make out. Well, you also have cell phones. And I guess stuff yes. Now. I can watch TV. Yeah, exactly. Good point. That is a fair point. I can easily watch TV mm-hmm. and get on the internet. Yeah. All right. Then it was just you listen to the radio and you go with your friends and then you all make bored. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So Linda Scarberry's report. We're riding through the TNT area on the or on the side of the road by the old powerhouse uh, building around twelve. Uh, AM? That's AMs at night, right? Correct. Okay. I always get the 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 the, the noon is the one the that throws you off. Midnight. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday night, November fifteenth, nineteen sixty six, uh, when we came over this small raise in the road, all at once, Steve yelled for us to look at that thing in the road. I looked up and saw it going around the corner uh, at the old power st- the old powerhouse. It didn't run but wobbled like it couldn't keep itself balanced. Its wings were uh, spread just a little. We, it's, uh, we sat there for a few seconds when Roger took off. I kept yelling at him to hurry. We didn't even stop for curves. We just got out on Route 62, and we were coming down the road, and that thing was just sitting on the hill for a second. When you, uh, when you, could, or when you could into the first bad curve. As soon as our lights hit it, it was gone. It spread its wings just a little and went straight up in the air. When we got to the armory, it was flying over the car. We had gotten, we were going between 100 and 105 miles per hour down the straight stretch of road, and that thing was just gliding back and forth over the back part of the car. As we got there in front of the lights up by the resort, it dived at our car and went away. I could hear the wings flapping as if it got more speed as it went up. We were all terrified and kept yelling at Roger to go faster. As we came into the straight stretch by the C.C. Lewis's farm, the thing was over our car again. Then it disappeared as we came into the lights by C.C. Lewis's farm, or farm gates. We went down and stopped at the Dairyland and tried to and tried to describe, or sorry, it's tried okay. to decide what to do. We just sat there and looked at each other. I wanted to go to the police station, but Steve and Roger kept saying they'd just laugh at us. We talked about it for a while, and Roger and Steve wanted to go back up the road. Mary and I kept trying to talk them out of it. But finally, when we got to C.C. Lewis's farm gate, they decided they didn't want to go back. So we, we turned around. As we were turning around, we saw a big dead dog laying in, along the road. When we were almost turned around, the thing jumped up and leaped over the car and went through the field to the other side of the road. We decided to go to the police station, and then we went down around the Tiny's Drive-In looking for them. 
Gary was outside the drive-in getting ready to take a couple of boys home. Who So we told him about seeing the thing and asked him to call the police. After the police came, we went back up the road in our, in our car with Gary and the police about a half mile behind us. I saw, no, sorry. I saw it then in the pasture field with its wings out just a little bit walking towards the car. Then it went up in the air and came at the car. As Gary's car lights, uh, as Gary's car lights came over it and rose into the road, uh, the lights shined on it and it disappeared. It went up and down the road looking for it, but didn't see it anymore. We went back down to the drive-in and got and got Gary's car and went back up. We finally found uh, Millard Haysteads and got him uh, and got him and went into the powerhouse building. We sat there with our lights out for about fifteen to twenty minutes when we heard. A squawking sound, almost like a mouse, but a lot stronger. Hmm. And that, that comes back into play later. A shadow went across the building, over the hill, just across from us. Mary and I sat and saw the red eyes. When we told Millard, he shined his lights right on them without being told where they were. He saw dust coming from the ground, and somewhere, and somewhere as Millard moved the spotlight around, we finally left and came to the trailer. The mullets were afraid, or the, sorry, the mallets were afraid to go to their apartment, so we decided to stay together, but didn't want to go to bed. So basically, they're just truly terrified. So they went back with police and this guy named Gary from the drive-in, mm-hmm. and seen it constantly. Yeah. So it was super active. And it was just that one night, right? Yeah, we'll keep getting into it, and then I have the other side of the report, too. Okay. But so, continuing, yeah, it's a lot of reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to let me just recap to catch yes. up where we are. So they were, far, they were out necking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seen the thing. They were rounding a curve, so they weren't actually started necking yet. They rounded the curve and seen this thing standing in the road, kind of wobbling. It looked like it couldn't really stand upright on the ground. Yeah, which we see with not to be too forward owls. Okay, that's one that kind of walks a little funny when they're on the ground because they're not designed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other flying animals though have this kind of weird wobble. Yeah, because they're just like not, penguins. Yeah, they're more designed to be on the ground, but but still, they're a bird. Yeah. They they have that wobble. There's a lot of other yeah. There's just a lot of of high flying birds like condors. Okay. Look very ungainly on the ground. They almost hop. Oh okay. Because, oh yeah, even like vultures. Yeah, and vultures stuff look hop weird. and stuff yeah. like that. Uh-huh. Because they're not really designed to be on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh so and then you got they they're so driving away from this thing. It's swooping, but it's avoiding the light. Mm. So that's what I mean. I read that correctly, but yes, basically what's happening is as they're driving down the road, going 100 miles an hour. It's just on top of the car until they go into the light, and then it goes back up. And then when they get back out of light, it dives back down. Interesting. So it never stopped following them. Right. It just was avoiding the light. Right, They pulled into Gary's drive, and it's all lit up. Hmm, so it wasn't around. Mm -hmm. But they did find the dead dog when they were leaving. Yes. Which is, wonder what that's all about. I think it was a message. Yeah, from Mothman? Or whatever this thing was? Or somebody else. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. You don't know. Mm-hmm. That was that's that would be I would be freaked out right now. And then they could hear the Mothman squeaking like a mouse. Yeah. So they they went back and they seen it with other people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So basically now we're at where the mullets are not the mullets. I keep saying mallet that. mallets. <laughs> we're afraid to go back to the house. So they all stayed together. Uh, we just so back to uh, Scarberry's Mrs. Scarberry's report. We just turned on all the lights and stayed up. Wednesday, we went out again, or up to the building again, and found these off tracks around the building. 
Steve was around the broilers by himself, and suddenly he came running out, white as a sheet, yelling for someone. He said he saw it by the in, or saw it in the boiler. Hmm. So this is a boiler for a power plant. Yeah. So we're talking something the size of a house. Yeah, it's gigantic. Yeah, we're not talking about because I see some people say how it was in a boiler. Like when I was reading online and stuff like that, they don't do the research and see that. It's, for a power plant. Yeah, it's a boiler. It's the size of a house. It's not your, yeah, it's not someone just personal one in their mm-hmm. own home. So that night, it was seen at Thompson's. Uh, so he went up there, and Mary and I stayed in the house while Steve and Roger, which makes me laugh because Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers? Captain America. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So it always makes me laugh. Wasn't even thinking. <laughs> uh, so Steve and Roger and a few other bystanders were looking for it. On the way up, I saw it from the highway above the trees gliding back and forth. The search, or They searched the area around Thompson's house, but didn't find anything. Uh, we, stayed home, uh, we stayed home around 1230, and I saw it on one of the maintenance buildings. Mary and I started crying, and Roger took off. Mm. I kept thinking about the thing following us again and again, but it didn't. So at this point, they're like, is it, you know, is it coming for us? What's like, what do we do to it? Right. Are, 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 is it targeting us or does it just happen to be following us? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, is it doing it on purpose or is it just have interest in us right now? Or is it just being everywhere and they're just happening? They're looking for it. Oh, yeah. So they see, see it. it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Right. Well, no one will accept the Mothman or whatever this thing mm-hmm. was. So where was I? Sorry so we went to my mother's and i uh, sorry we went to my mother's and i went all to pieces roger and my dad took me down to the hospital i finally got back home and we all stayed together that night again but didn't go to bed till 3 or 4 a.m we were still afraid to go to sleep Hmm. the next thursday we went back up with all the reports and we were all hearing the clanging noises from inside the building so basically like they could hear it. Like, it was still inside. Mm-hmm. And, like, earlier when we were talking about the previous episode, when we were talking about they started calling the power plant the birdhouse. Yeah. This is why they started calling the birdhouse. It was always there. It's inhabiting it. Mm-hmm. Roger and Steve and, uh, Roger, Steve and the reporters went back in and found the boiler door open, and Steve had shut it when he left a few minutes before that. That night, he went up back up with Mary Hay, or Mari, so Mary Hayer, Mary Harer? Yes, Mary Harer. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry. Weird name. And I saw the eyes inside the uh, fenced-off place beside the powerhouse building. So she, so Linda's still seeing the eyes constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which we'll talk about. Was she seeing the eyes constantly, or was like, did she snap? Oh, okay. Was the first encounter enough to be? To burn it in her brain, or which we'll talk about with. Uh, I have a personal experience that we'll talk about that relates to this. Maybe that she really wasn't seeing the Mothman everywhere she was seeing it, but she was so traumatized, traumatized by the first sighting. I'm not saying she didn't see ever see the Mothman, right, right. But she was seeing this thing everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So on, oh, so on the way home, I saw the eyes back in some trees from the road. As the car went past and looked back, and I could see it, or and I could see its form. That is the last time I had seen it. To me, it just looked like a man with wings. It was a dark or a dirty gray color. Its body shape, form with the wings on its back, that came around it. 
It had muscular legs like a man and fire red eyes that glow when the lights hit them. There are no gl- or there was no glowing about it until the light the light hit it. I couldn't see its head or its arms. I don't know if the eyes were even in its head when we came or so when we came down the straight stretch by the armory. It didn't even seem like it had any trouble keeping up with us. It must have had very powerful wings. So she's talking about the first encounter when it was chasing them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. At no time did this thing fly at us from the front of the car. It stayed over the back end of the car while it was chasing us. It seemed to be afraid of the headlights. But I read in the paper today that it had been seen in the daytime in town. That I do not understand. The prints we found at C.C. Lewis's and both the powerhouse and the Thompson's, they look like two horses or two horse she put together, but smooth. Two horseshoes. That's a misspelling. Mm. Put together, but smooth. Okay, gotcha. So like I'm like a big W, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing in my head. Mm-hmm. I know people are laughing at us, but it's no laughing matter. We never fought this time. We never forgot this time. It has affected our lives in many ways. I am keep I keep going on nerve and sleeping pills. When it gets dark, I feel the fear creeping over me. When I go any place, I automatically look out the window. I am afraid to sleep at night, so I lay awake sometimes crying with fear. When do I sleep or when do I go to bed? The lights burn all night. Even in the daylight, I'm afraid to do anything by myself. I walk around in my own house expecting to see the thing. I close my eyes day or night, and I can see those red, fiery eyes staring at me. Every little noise scares me to death. I can stand in a crowd and hear people talking about us and laughing. People even said that we were probably liquored up, but we were not. There they go up there, expecting to see it, but then they say they don't believe us. We have seen it. We know what to look for. We are constantly looking, not because we want to see it, but because we're afraid we'll see it again. Mm -hmm. Out of all the phone calls we've gotten, not one minister has called us to help us and try to explain what we we had happen. We all agreed that we'd talk to a uh, minister about it, but no one takes us seriously. One minister even laughed at us and said we'd finally ran into the devil out of the church, and that's what we saw. We've been harassed, laughed at, and called crazy. We just can't keep going on and hand it to people on the silver platter like they seem to want us to do. We are never really going to get over the fear until we find out for sure what this thing is. I know I'll never forget it. I don't think anyone can who has seen it. Mm. Well, luckily for her, there's been people to explain it away for her, so she can forget mm-hmm. it. So, on her note, mm-hmm. when I had, before we get into uh, mallets, okay. Mary mallets, when I had my shadow person experience, same thing. I was so scared. Every shadow, mm. every little movement, it was that. It freaked me out. I couldn't sleep for months. Yeah, I still have troubles every once in a while. Yeah, like I sleep. I'm an adult. I have guns. I sleep with a nightlight because mm-hmm. I can't stand the pitch dark. Mm, interesting. So I get that something like this would be so incredibly traumatizing. Yeah, and then have people laugh at you. You're the butt of the joke, but then like. Makes They're going out worse. looking for it. Makes it even worse. There are people, like a, we talked earlier, I think the previous episode, the cops were making sure you had a gun 
to look for the thing. Right, yeah, which is nuts. But people are calling these people crazy. Yeah, exactly. You're the one making sure we all have guns. Exactly. So which one is it? Come on now. Am I crazy or is... I don't know. I understand. It can drive anyone nuts. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean... Well, you just you're living in a world there where both both sides contradict each other, yet they both exist at the same time. I feel so bad for these people. Very much so, yeah. Because what's the one thing that'll make you feel better about? Um, I guess anything your fear, anything you're feeling internally is probably talking about it, right? And now the one the one thing you want to do you can't really do because mm-hmm. the fear of getting ridiculed from that, the repercussions of whatever that is. So it pushes you down that box even further, or. Sur- suppresses those feelings mm-hmm. or those fears which would make you reasonable why someone would start i guess manifesting or seeing those things even if so, it's not yeah. there i don't know how much of the time she was seeing it i know it was i i read a little roughly so i could have chopped it up a little bit i don't know how many of the times she was seeing it mm-hmm. and not really seeing it yeah yeah if every time she seen it she was actually there was it just all over the town constantly mm-hmm we get into some of your stories. Once we get away from the scarberries mm-hmm. and, the, uh, and the mallets, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of people seen it. And so I'm wondering if she, if she definitely, she probably, I would almost even could say that this, she did see it on every time she thought she did. I can believe it either way. But it's I that, can see that, her being pushed. That lingering fear. Yes. Constant. You don't see fear, but you feel fear. And you can you can make that up in your head as well. Mm-hmm. Just, just as easily. This Jeff Wumsley did a great job. Mm-hmm. He has just put so many awesome stories together that people that we always talk about, these stories die with these people. Yeah. And he saved a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, great books. You just need to buy these books. Worth the read. Yeah, they're 20 bucks. Just buy them. If you, yeah, if you want to, like, these are the, I guess, dive into this mm-hmm. stuff. Excuse me, I can't stop. But, um, yeah, I definitely feel bad for them. I definitely feel their. I want to say I want to say pain, but I feel their fear. I feel it, and I get where they're coming from, and I understand how hard it is to talk to somebody about something that can be this tra- traumatic, mm-hmm. and then get laughed at for it. Like, okay, that would be awful. So, if you're ready, I'm going to have you read Mary's official report. Okay. So I got the title right here, but it's Mary. It says it's Mary Mallet's official report. Did you want me to? Not yet, because we're going to do Mary's and we're going to do Rogers. Gotcha. Okay. I don't think I don't think Steve ever gave official report. Let me look. Yeah, Steve never gave an official report. Okay, so this is Mary. What was her last name? Mallet. So this is the other one that was in the car with them. This is the other lady. All right. So here we go. The four of us were riding around uh, between eleven thirty and twelve o'clock. On Tuesday night, uh, November 15th, 1966. Before you continue, I forgot that these reports were all given separate. Okay. Which, don't they normally do that just for the the case of consistency? Yeah, so that's what I'm pointing out. Okay. So when you start reading these and we go through them. They're all separately told stories of the same story. As far as I know, they're not just sitting there all telling it together. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. When we came in from behind the old powerhouse, and as soon as we came up... Um, in seeing distance of the powerhouse, Steve first seen this thing along the side of the road, and it ran to the powerhouse. This is when I first saw this thing, which appeared to be a man about six feet tall with wings on its back and red eyes two inches in diameter and about six inches apart. The Scarberries also saw this thing at the corner of the house or of the powerhouse, and we all seemed to be stunned when he took off 
out the road at a fast speed. And as we drove back down um, towards Route 62, we saw this man with wings standing on a bank, but I could not see his head as soon as our lights hit the bank. You could see its eyes plainly, and it seemed to take up, take off upward very fast. Well, we all saw that, and Roger, the driver, speeded down the road, and as we speeded down the road on the straight stretch at about 100 miles or 105 miles or so, miles per hour, the thing glided over the top of our car back and forth until we drove into the lights by the armory. The thing never once flew in front of our car. It seemed to be afraid of the lights, which, yeah, they all describe, well, they both describe that, which we might need to come back to that, the lights. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Very important part. Um, we drove down through town and stopped in the lights about at about Dairyland. Okay, the place they're going. Yes, yeah, so that's closed. That's gone. Mm-hmm. But do you remember that kind of where the fairground turn was? Going to the going the to plant? the TNT area. Yeah, yeah. It's right there. Okay, on the river side of the road. Okay, I know it's what where you're it about. should be. It should have been, I believe, gotcha. from my map. So yeah, another thing uh, Jeff does, uh, he gives an awesome maps. Oh, sweet. So you can uh, get so, a yeah, very so, good yeah. visual yes, of that layout of mm-hmm. where these people are going. Um, so it said, we drove down the lights in front of the Dairyland. We talked. We all talked, and we discussed about it. And Linda said, I think we should go to the police, but we didn't. Then we decided to go back. We got as far as C.C. Lewis's gate um, because we were not really going – we were not really – for going back okay now i understand yeah it's it's written a little like someone would say it in distress yeah and keep mind it's the 60s right as roger turned the car around the lights moved over a large dead dog along the side of the road as we turned something ran from behind the tree and jumped over top the back of our car and ran through the field then was when we decided we should we should tell someone which don't blame you dead dog and this thing jumps over your car I'd be telling someone at that point, too. Yeah, dead Dougie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all right. We went down um, by Tiny's Drive-In and Gary... By Tiny's Drive-In and Gary... Oh, and a couple of others were just coming out of the door, so we told him what we had seen. We were all frightened, and the first thing he asked us was, have you kids been drinking? Our answer was no, we had not been drinking. So we asked Gary to call the police, and he did. We waited on the police, and when they arrived, we decided that the four of us would go up the road ahead of everyone. So we all did. As we were driving up the road, we saw it again in a field, and it came up behind us. And when Gary's lights could be seen behind us, the thing left again. And we turned at the traffic circle and went back. Millard Halstead searched the top trees with his searchlight, and we all went back to Tiny's, and the four of us got into the car with Gary and went back into in the dark area on the left side of the road, I'd seen two large red eyes, and all I could do was point and burst into tears as fright came into me. But none of the other four saw anything. So we turned at the traffic circle again, and we went back into town, and Gary told Millard of our frightening experience. And we got into the car with Millard and went back to the powerhouse, and we sat there with our doors locked and our lights off. We could all see shadows coming over the building, and I said, I can see those eyes. And Miller put the spotlight right on them without asking any direction in which we were looking. And that's same account the last person yes, just told. Yes, it's because it's, he's seen it. Right, exactly. He knew exactly where it was when she had, I think, so sorry to that's pause fine. you. 
I think he had already seen it and mm-hmm. didn't want to bring it up until she had. and then she seen it. So he was like, oh, "Okay, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not just imagining that." Let's see what this thing is. Mm-hmm. Miller turned the lights on, and we all seen something looking like dust or smoke. Uh, we seen that light, or we seen that twice. Then we came back um, and got Roger's car, and we all went to the trailer. We decided to stay with them all night. We were all so frightened, we locked the doors and turned on all the lights and stayed up all night. We went back to the old powerhouse, and the next day, and and wait, we went. This is written weird. We went back to the old powerhouse the next days, and them and us, I'm guessing, or them. It says and went with us. So I'm guessing they all went together. Yes. The, the men took their guns and went through the old powerhouse. Roger was on top of the building and Steve was inside looking around. And Roger came down outside when he heard Steve yell, come back in here. So Roger came down before anyone else went into the place. And he said he opened one of the boiler doors and saw something move upward. Then he came and looked through the old building. We were all looking around the place and found some funny prints, like a double hoof print of a horse. Then we all returned home. We stayed together most most of the time, about 9.30 that evening. We heard that it was seen at the Thomases, so we went directly up there, and the men took their guns that night. We saw tracks up there, and we went home about 12.30, and we all stayed together that night. Which, it sounds like they're all like in their own little militia going after this thing. Yeah, the town rallies pretty quick. And it's because not just the the Scarberries and the Mallets seen it. Mm -hmm. Gary seen it. And then the, um, oh, what was the other guy's name that shined the light on it? The one that what? The one that shined the light on it. Oh, uh, Steve, oh wait, Roger came down. Way before when they oh, seen right here. it. Uh, Millard, Millard. Millard. Yep. Yeah, Millard. Millard Halstead. So it was not just these two couples that had seen it mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, within a very short time, four groups of people, basically, the two couples, each other group, and then these two guys had all seen it. It is cool how they all liked their first reaction was, let's get our guns together. The whole let's town. Let's go find this thing, yeah. Pass, uh, there was a lot of people that were just looking for it now. Mm-hmm. And I think until it got really big in the papers that the town was rallying around this these two young couples uh, trying did. to you know find this thing that had bothered them so bad. Mm-hmm. And help them out. Yeah, it really didn't seem like that normal townsfolk, these close groups really did not disbelieve anything these people told them. Yeah. It's it's weird to see. It's pretty awesome. They were going to... This is one of the things where it turned to a monster very quick. Yeah. But people were seeing it. Mm-hmm. They were actually getting results, I guess. Yes. Our season two finale will be the, the Boggy <laughs> Creek. I'll ruin that right now. And that's a similar thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Is that the town gets in arms very quickly. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. We need more mothman experiences to bring us all back together our rifles are too high powered now they don't show themselves oh shoot <laughs> old shotgun blast i could handle yeah not a 308 not anymore yeah not anymore. Seven three uh in a second <laughs> Go, yeah i would be gone too all right so let's finish your report okay mm-hmm. a couple more th- things here the next day was thursday we went back um with the tv reporters and all the men looked into the building and came back to talk with us when we heard a clang in the building and went back to investigate the noise, one of one of the doors of the boilers had been opened. That evening, we all went back. The reporters from the messenger went up. While they were all looking at the building, Linda saw the eyes in a field, and Mr. Heyer 
also saw the ice. On the way back home, right before we got to the Point Pleasant Resort, I saw it better than I'd ever seen before. I could see the complete outline of it and the eyes, but I could not any head. I could not see any of its head. So she saw the outline and the eyes, but couldn't still couldn't see like the shape of its head. That time was the most frightening time I'd ever saw this thing. When you see something like this, you know you'll never forget it. At night, you wonder where where this man-like creature is and if it will harm you. And it's, is it all I seem to think about? Or it is all that I seem to think about. And whenever we go somewhere, I can feel someone laughing at me, which is, that would be awful. And I can be in a crowd and hear people say, well, they were all liquored up and God, and God only knows we were not. But all I've heard and seen is news reporters and telephones. I do not think I would feel better if a minister would come up and talk to us and try to help us get over this fear. There has not been a minister to call us out of all our phone calls or even to try to get in touch with us. That's kind of sad. Yeah, religion is a big deal for these people, Mm -hmm. which I get it's a big deal to me. But I think that's what they were really hurt about because they both bring that up separately. Is that their minister or the pastor, you know, what we'd have up here. Yeah. Nobody of that, of that caliber seemed to be interested in helping these people. Mm-hmm. They all thought it was just a liquored up fantasy. Right, yeah. And then the feelings in the crowds and stuff like that, of people making fun of them and stuff like that. They both, Linda and Mary, share that. Felt that feeling, yeah. Mm-hmm. What an awful feeling. It's like a sixth sense. Everyone mm-hmm. has it. So we're, last we have is Roger Scarberry. Steve did not give report. Hmm. Maybe him is, I don't know. Who knows? He may have been dead at this time. I'm not sure. For real? Mm-hmm. When they when they talked to Jeff. Oh, 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 okay, 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 gotcha. I'm not sure. That's the only that's the only reason I could say you because they were all pretty open to talk to Jeff except Steve, but that may be the reason. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah. speculation. Yeah. Right, yeah. Alright, so Tuesday this is Roger Scarberry's 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 report. Just reading. Just a lot of reading. <laughs> All right. Tuesday night, about 12 o'clock, while riding in the TNT area, we came upon the thing. It had the shape of a man with wings. This thing stood about six foot tall with its wings on its back. It was light gray in color with red eyes about two inches in diameter, six to eight inches apart. When we came up over the rise in the road in front of the powerhouse, Steve saw these large red, or these large red eyes. He pointed out the eyes out to me. And when we all looked at it, it was going around the corner to, of the of this building. The thing runs awkwardly at, with its wings out to the sides. After we stopped and looked at each other, I took off. Um, I took off out the road towards the highway. When we came into the traffic circle, we turned south on 62 and we saw it again. It was on the bank, on on the left side of the road. This is where you could see it the best, but the car lights show or shone on it. It moved its wings out to the sides and went straight up in the air. We didn't see it again until we were on the straight road in front of the uh, in front of the experiment farm where it came over the car. I sped up to 100 miles per hour and it glided over the top of the car till we came to a curve at the armory. Then it was gone. Then we came on or the, we came on in the into the town. The thing must have been afraid of the lights because we it, it wouldn't come into town. We went down and stopped. We weren't. Uh, we wanted to tell the police, but we were going to go back up to see if, for sure that it was still up the road. 
but when we were but when we were going through the town, we decided we didn't want to go back up. So I turned around at the gate at C. Lewis's farm. When I turned around, I saw a dead dog lying along the road. As I turned to start back down the road, this thing came out from behind where the dog was and went over the back of the car and went through the field to the other side of the road. Then we went downtown into Tiny's Drive-In and told Gary uh, what we had seen and told him to call the police. When the police got to there, Gary and the police followed us back up the road where we all saw it again. The dog was gone, but when his car came over the hill behind or behind us, it was gone. Uh, from there, we went back to the field, but didn't see it again. So we went down to the town. Uh, then we went up to the deputy sheriff, back to the power plant, and stopped. We sat in the car and saw dust and smoke coming up from the uh, from the coal yards besides the plant. From there, we went back and got in the car and went home. The next day, which is Wednesday, the next day we uh, we went back to the power the power plant and looked over where Steve saw it. Uh, in a boiler inside the plant. Then Wednesday night, it, seen, it was seen at Thompson's home in the TNT area. We went up to Thompson's home the same night and found footprints the thing made. Thursday night, or Thursday, we went up to the power plant with reporters and went through it. While we were inside, Steve uh, shut the boiler door. When we were outside, we heard a loud noise, and we went back inside. The door was open. What was the thing, or what this thing looked like was about six feet tall with large wings on its back. It had the shape of a man, but two red eyes, about two inches, which he already, yeah, he already described it like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, the wing spread of 10 feet, the thing, whatever it, or whatever it is, uh, is definitely not a crane or a goose or a balloon or any of those things. It has been called. I have seen it and I know what it looks like. Little did, little did, okay. So, yeah, that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. So, I mean, all three of them gave a very, very similar Yeah, let's account. talk about this. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all spot on. Separate accounts. Mm -hmm. Definitely fully terrified. Yes. Uh, especially the women, which I get. The men had to be a little more macho. Um, it's just... Oh, I forgot to add about the German... It was a German Shepherd. That's why I made the joke about Dougie. For those listeners that don't know, oh. Dougie is my German Shepherd. Gotcha. It was a German Shepherd that was dead. Really? Because that night, a farmer said he's seen a giant eagle swoop down and grab his German Shepherd out of the field. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's a separate report. Hmm. So is it a coincidence it ended up right there in front of them or no? I think it was the same time. Yeah. Because it was just down the road, the German Shepherd, yeah. the farmer was. I think it grabbed... I think... I don't know if it was, uh, it was hungry, if it was a scare factor, if it was to, to deter these people from going back. Yeah. Hmm. But all three give a very, mm -hmm. very similar account. Agree. What are the th things these guys focus on a lot? What do they focus on a lot? Mm -hmm. um, the wobbling walk. Yes, they all three describe also, that. They all describe the eyes, and it's the same, relative same size mm -hmm. or width apart, but... Both red. But no head that they could see. None of them described a head, correct? They all described uh, about the same... They they had the same encounters. They described the same encounters at the same time when things happened. Like the dog. The dog was another thing. And then the thing jumping over the back of their car, running off all the same accounts. Um, trying to think what else there was that was 
that stood out that was important to note. It, avoiding light. They all said it seemed to avoid light. That's a weird one for me. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's go in to creatures that have red eye shine. Okay. Red eye shine is not caused by the lucidum percutium. Like normal, that's it's roughly how you pronounce it. What is what is that? That's the basically a mirror in the back of the eyes. Oh, okay. The, the gain more light from the already existing light, so that you can see better at night. It's night vision. Like when you see dogs or cats or yes, the greens, the yellows, mm-hmm. the even some blues I've seen. Uh, some fish have blue. Oh, of like course. Like walleye, you've seen walleye have blue and gray. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's their reflective mirror in the back. Okay, gotcha. Um. Red is not because of that. If we want to take an Earth biological standpoint, red is from the blood in the back of the eyes. Mm-hmm. It's normally seen as creatures like owls that have super big eyes mm-hmm. for night hunting. They need a lot of blood flow for these organs. So you can see the red then. Yeah. To catch it just right. Yes. and But Mothman's always red. And I mean like a lot of people describe it as like... The fires of hell red. Yeah, I was going to say it sounded very... But uh, the scarberries and the mullet, or the mallets never describe it glowing. They always describe it reflecting. Mm, okay. Even though they say glowing, they even say, no, it wasn't glowing until the car light hit it or the eye, you know, the light hit it. Then you can see how red the eyes were. Like you're hitting a reflector. You yes. Know, like a roadside yes. reflector. So I don't know if the eyes are always red hmm. or if that's the reflection. It just caught it, yeah. Hmm. Good question. Good questions to ask or to pose. The squeaking. Okay. Oh, yeah, that one was brought Linda up. Linda mentioned the squeaking. Yes. Squeaking like a mouse, but louder. Because that comes up in one of my unheard stories later. Unheard? Mm-hmm. One of the untold stories or the one on... The stories that seem to get brought up. Yeah. That comes up again. Um, the only time I've ever heard that, which we haven't talked about it yet, I don't know. I don't think it's your story about the chi- the one around the chimney was said to be squeaking. Was that it? That I have that later, too. Okay. But yeah, the squeaking, I mean, gets what is... It's brought up in a lot of these untold stories. Yeah. What is the squeaking? I think communication. It sounds like uh, I've heard everything described from bat to mouse. Mm. So probably echolocation. Something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. Good question. Hmm. So the dust plumes, always, you know, it was seen... Yeah. Was that because it was living literally in the coal burners? That's pro- so that it was my, dusty, and then that'd be my the, guess. The plumes because it took off really quick. Like it's just even its wings moving, like mm-hmm. could have made that not appear. much flapping. Is that what they described? Yeah, everybody just shot straight up. Yeah, and yeah. A lot of Mothman sightings have no flapping, almost like anti gravity rather than something, flying. Yeah. Something weird. More they more using the wings to steer. Interesting. Now there's a connection I might have later talking about uh, a certain craft that. Didn't 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 float, but it didn't have wings that flew. But it had like a fluttering effect, hmm. and it was weird. Almost the way I thought of it is like a dragonfly or a bee. You know, like when a ladybug takes off, it lifts its wings up, and then yeah, yeah, it has wings. But it's not like they flap; they just kind of they vibrate, vibrate, and it's, yeah. the thing just moves and gone. Kind of like that. That's kind of how I hmm. and that could thought be. of it. I mean, yeah. that could easily be. So, what would you? Say about the Scarberries. This is the the Mothman encounter. Yeah. This is the big one. You know, this is the one that everybody talks about. These people were wanting to talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the community turned on him, but they seemed to believe him at first. Right, yeah. It, yeah, it seems like, well, it's probably like every nowadays, or it's never changed. Half the people believe you, half the people, you know, especially when it's something, 
you basically have to see to believe to begin with, you know. But I, I think everything they said sounded very credible, like they weren't just making it up because three separate stories all telling the same story and then the very fine little details that you wouldn't match up unless you, one, either discussed it beforehand to talk about it or it actually happened, you know. And these people had lifelong effects from this encounter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make it clear, they made no money off this. Yeah. Because I see that brought up a lot. They mm-hmm. brought they made up the story to make money and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of other paranormal encounters. Mm-hmm. No one makes money. Yeah. Uh, Not much, not at all. Never. <laughs> it never lasts. Never helps. It, it never. It only hurts. It, usually marriages are ruined. Yes. Um, it destroys families. Yep. Even communities sometimes. It's never. Nobody ever makes money off this. Mm-hmm. And these people seem to really have... In a way, PTSD. Yeah, yeah. They and don't. They, they sensed all the negativity that was I mean, being was, hurled yeah, at them. Yeah. And if I, be, I'll say this: I believe this story 100. Mm-hmm. I believe there's very little to no exaggerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very, very well documented. Mm-hmm. In part, you know, to the Mothman Museum and stuff like that. They got, they have all these original police reports and stuff like that. Right. They saved a lot of the stuff that a lot of these cases. That may have been just as famous of the Mothman sighting if it wouldn't have been lost. To you time. Know? Yes. Basically. Yeah. They saved... There was a large group of people everywhere. For, you know, we'll talk about John Keel later to this Jeff uh, to, that were just the historians of this event that saved it. Mm-hmm. And the Scarberries are not by any means the only Mothman sighting in Point Pleasant. Right. Even in their own story, they had like eight other people see it. Right. Exactly. But it's is the kickoff this this the start of it all yes. i guess the first one that mm-hmm. got the ball rolling yeah this is the big boy mm-hmm. this is the one that the police reports were filed cops were involved members pillars of the community were there you know it had behaviors it had yeah and i just the, was i thought of the sand hill crane thing again it made me laugh right all right so tell me about your <laughs> I'll tell you about the Sand Hill Crane first. All right, since we touched on it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some people accuse the Mothman of being. We'll get into explanations way later, like mm-hmm. episode three or four. Okay. Uh, but for this story, they said they've seen a Sand Hill Crane, which to give fair to the Sand Hill Crane, they are that gray brown. They are tall, up to six foot, with an eight foot wingspan. They do have red marks around their eyes. To not for the Sand Hill Crane. They do not fly 100 miles per hour. They do not really fly at night. They are not scared of light. They are not strong enough to strike a car. They are definitely not big enough to kill a German Shepherd. <laughs> and they cannot open doors. Hmm. Interesting. Do their eyes glow? No, I don't even think they reflect red. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that one, we maybe be able to roll I don't know out. if I have that guy that suggested that. But a biologist suggested that. You know what? I let me just double check. Real yeah, he's quick. in my book somewhere with the. There's that a, was dumb. There's a chance I could have taken a picture of that article cause, just because it cracked me up. Yeah, it's a giant article that has a picture of the Sand Hill Crane. Oh yeah, it's a big one. Oh, I don't. I didn't take a picture of it, but I remember. I have s- it in this book. Jeff has it in the okay. article section. Very funny. I don't know who that biologist is. I don't know if he's still alive. Oh wait, actually, here it is. I do have it. Who's the biologist? Um, let's see here. The article was by Ralph Turner. So let's see, um, Dr. Robert L. Smith, Associate Professor of Wildlife Biology in West Virginia Division, 
of Forestry told Mason Sheriff... What was his name again? Uh, Robert L. Smith. Robert L. Smith. Okay, sorry, continue. Um, that he believes the thing, which has been frightening people in Point Pleasant um, since Tuesday, is a large bird which stopped off while migrating south. All right, so Robert L. Smith, right? Yes. Robert L. Smith, you're dumb. <laughs> he... I'm sure here's what happened. I'm sure he's not around. If you're still alive, I'd love to talk to you Mm -hmm. because I 100% believe what you did was skim very heavily and was like, that sounds like a sandhill crane to me. You want to hear his his quote? Yes. Quoting Robert L. Smith, from all of the descriptions I have read about this thing, it perfectly matches the sandhill crane. I definitely believe that that's, that's me what throw these... my pen across the freaking room. <laughs> I definitely believe that's what these people are seeing. Robert L. Smith, you're dumb. <laughs> you heard it here first. You're dumb as hell. Um, he says, Dr. Smith said that the sandhill crane stands on average of five feet, has a gray plume plumage. That's correct. That's the first correct thing he said. A feature of its appearance is a bright red flesh around the eye area, around each eye. That is also correct. It has an average wingspan of about seven feet. Yes. And now he's quoting to say, somebody who had never seen anything like like it before could easily get the impression it is a flying man, he said. No. Car, li- car lights would cause the bare skin to reflect as a big red circle around the eyes. No, it wouldn't. Are you... Robert- I hope he's alive. <laughs> I really want to talk to this guy. This is the same guy uh, from Project like Blue Book and stuff, or not Project Blue Book, Project Paperclip, that said the swamp gas thing. But the guy that said the swamp gas thing with the UFOs, yeah, immediately regretted it. Oh, oh yeah, you remember you telling me that? Because he's like, he used it once for one thing, and it opened the door for for everybody to use it. Yes, he's like, no, 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 no. This one scenario, mm-hmm. it was. I do believe him in the yeah. beginning. The yeah. one scenario that he explained with the swamp gas probably was swamp gas plumes. And now they're like, oh, that's a lie. But the government's or, like, that's perfect. Like a Make that a stamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was not a sandhill crane, especially this encounter. Hmm. And this was such a cop out. I don't know if like he was like near retirement. I don't know nothing about this guy. Robert L. Smith. Correct. Dr. Robert L. Smith. Correct. Dr. Robert L. Smith. I don't know. I've worked with an old biologist. I worked with really old biologists. Mm-hmm. Some of them are still super into the game, super excited about this stuff, or biology and stuff like that. Some are done. Some yeah. have been done for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I think Robert was a guy that was been done for 20 years. Did not want to make more work for he himself. He just wanted, they, people wanted a report from him, because that's what the DNR was like, you got to give the report. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, it was a sand hill crane. Mm-hmm. From every report I read, including it chasing a car at 100 miles per hour, and cops trying to shoot it, and it killing a German shepherd and dragging it into the middle of the road... That's a sandhill crane. No, that's a velociraptor. Yeah, exactly. He just—I've seen that scene in that movie before. Yeah, a freaking <laughs> German shepherd. It killed a German shepherd. That's documented because the guy didn't see. He see the guy claimed it was an eagle. Yeah, because it was at night and yeah. he just seen it swoop down and grab his dog and he's like, "Huh, giant eagle." Because <laughs> Doug is a puppy and yeah. he's almost seventy pounds. Yeah, that's a small or a small. That's a big puppy. Yeah, imagine a freaking adult because it was an adult German shepherd. Swoop, grab, huh? That's a big bird. Right, yeah. Um, I wouldn't call the police on this one. He did. Now you might agree with him. He says here at the very last line of the whole article, very last one. And it's funny how they bury this stuff. Doctor Smith said that while the birds are powerful flyers, they cannot match the hundred mile per hour speed 
one couple reported. So they're talking about that story. Yeah. So he's at least acknowledging it can't match that speed. So well, because pro- no, the reporter probably is like, well, what about the scar raising count when it flew 100 miles per hour, killed a German Shepherd, and he's, tried to eat a cop? He's probably calling them all a liar, and they made like, that up. Ah, they were drinking. I hate that too. Yeah, I hate that uh, all of these people. This is because this is like a setup for a lot of like the big stuff that happens in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. That's when we have a lot of these big flaps. Mm-hmm. Is in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the Mothman one I think was a lot of these officials were figuring out how to handle it. And it was a sandhill crane. It hmm. boils my blood. Yeah. That it was such, because he's a biologist. It was a man in my field. Right. That was so. Blasphemy. Ignorant. He's, yes. That he was like, it's a sandhill crane. It fits the description perfectly. Where? <laughs> exactly. Where does it fit the description perfectly? I'd say physically, maybe. It's about as close as you can get. Have you seen a crane fly? I have not. I'm just saying strictly. You've seen a heron fly. Strictly by its measurements. Yeah, I have. They're the same thing. Just a heron or a crane's bigger. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean. Does that look like a man? Not at all. Does it look like it can fly 100 miles per hour? Not at all. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe if it was free fall diving. And it's just like, what about it opening doors? People were saying it was going in and out of the power plant, opening doors. Yeah, that's a bit strange. That was a crane. Okay, yeah. There's where I draw the line. Uh, Did you not see Sandhill Cranes before? Have I? Yeah, our buddy, which we will not name because this may be illegal, tried to catch one. Yeah. They are big. Yeah. But it is not an animal. You, You look at it, you do not think you can punch to death. Okay. You are not... I don't care... Maybe a maybe a, a young lady would be scared of a sandhill crane at night. Okay, but two adult men are not scared of a sandhill crane at night. Okay, it looks like a tall stick <laughs> that's angry. Yeah, and you're like I can fight that. Did he catch it? I can't say. That's illegal. So he didn't. Right, he didn't catch it. Yeah, got away with it. Yeah, they're not that big. I mean, they're big even yeah. at six foot tall. Yeah, they're probably fifteen pounds. And where are they from? They're all over. They're they're okay. they're. They're not resident. There's not many resident populations in Ohio or right. West Virginia or Pennsylvania. We're kind of their flyover zone. So they go f- all the way up north and yeah. all the way south. Okay. Yeah, okay. really, really common in Florida in the winter. Uh, when I go shark, when I used to go shark fishing a lot, they were mm. all over the international coastal ways oh, and cool. stuff like that. Cool. I've uh, never seen one. Yeah, that's where they go to have their chicks and stuff. It's down south. Sandy uh, Hill Crane. And then I've seen them in Illinois and stuff like that. They're big. They make all kinds of freaky noises. Yeah. They sound more like a dinosaur. Not like a mouse or no. a... They're deep. They're deep and guttural. They sound a lot bigger than they are. So there, there's another thing that discredits Yeah, his... they don't squeak. Yeah. They, they're very deep, guttural. A lot of the Velociraptor sounds from Jurassic Park reminds me of their noises. Mm, okay. Interesting. It boils my blood. Well, would you like another exclamation of what... Yes, um, yes. Because I, when I first got all this typed up... And Roger's account with the balloon thing, I didn't get. But I think you're about to shed light on this. I think I am. So uh, the the headline of this article, and this was at the Mothman Museum. I found this newspaper article and took a picture of it. Could Mothman be a balloon? That's the, the question it's posing. I, it could, I guess. So I'm going to read this little uh, article. Uh, so Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Quote, he flies through the air with the greatest of ease, with bloodshot eyes and wings as big as you please. With some po- Oh, we have a rhymer. No, that was just the person that wrote the article. It's oh. just starting off with this. With some poetic license thrown in, this is the 
That is the description given to the Mothman, a so-called winged man, who reportedly had visited an old dynamite dump near here. Two Point Pleasant couples received the first visitation uh, Tuesday night, Mr. and Mrs. Roger Scarberry and Mr. and Mrs. Steve Mallet. Um, they saw something at the dump, which made them pretty or plenty scared. So they're talking about Is this, this Roger Smith's brother? I hope not. Because it sounds like the guy it sounds like Roger Smith's brother. Well, here's here's okay. the what's they're about to explain. The something they described as resembling a flying man between six and seven feet tall with wings um with wings of an angel and penetrating red eyes. The couple said the thing chased them as they drove at speeds up at to a hundred miles per hour. Edward Pritchard, an advisor to the high school science club at Fairland High School, thinks he has the answer to what the Scarberries and the Mallets saw. Pritchard believes the moth or the monster could be a large gas balloon, which the science club released to study prevailing wind currents. Light catches these things all in strange ways at some angles, he said. Imagination can do the rest. So write it off. You're done. That's what it is. People can't see. I'm literally boiling. It, it, <laughs> I'm all for. That's the end of the you article. Know, you, everybody, our listeners, if this isn't your first episode, you know me. I will use a scientific explanation to explain away some of the aspects of cryptids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These are dumb. <laughs> I know, right? These are idiots. I was laughing reading this because I already knew how you would feel. Idiot. An idiot. What part <laughs> of the story fits your balloon? Well, this isn't a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> the part that fits it is the fact his science club was released a balloon yesterday, and that's there he is. What did the balloon look like? He, he never even said that. Is it just a balloon? Light catches these things in strange I'm gonna ways. I'm going to blow off this mic. <laughs> I'm getting too. My heart rate's getting too high. Well, who in the right mind would print this, though? I, I, I have no idea. How does he think that that's a thing? I don't know. And this was written in... These are people that claim to be of science, too, which bothers me deeply. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, the Roger Smith guy, uh, I don't even feel like he deserves doctor. Uh, right, right. Sandhill Crane. Sandhill biologist. Crane. Biologist. I, I mean, he did describe a Sandhill Crane accurately, but that is not the Mothman. What if, what if people are being targeted no, these, to say these, things? These sound dumb. These are guys that are dumb. Right. I don't think these are your government plants you're always looking for. These are idiots. I know these Useful people. Useful idiots? No, I know, no, no, no. I know these people. I know biologists that get like this, hmm. where they're just like, no, it's this. Mm-hmm. Because it has to be. Because mm-hmm. if it's not. Because you're dumb. Yes. Yeah, if it's. I have a degree. You're exactly. dumb. And everything I was taught in my degree. I worked with people like that, that are just, I have a degree because that makes you dumb. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And that's, I don't think they, the like, government didn't need to get involved with this one. They kind of just let it, just it take its a natural, coincidence. it's natural course. And then a high school, the high school science professor, teacher, whatever he is. Yeah. Sounds like a guy that just couldn't make it. You're right. No, he was, he's described as an, an advisor. An to advisor. High, high school Not science even a teacher. club. He's yes. probably the janitor there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you probably mistaked my balloon. And he just wanted his name in the art, newspaper article. You know, he sounds like he's from Wisconsin. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Oh, they took shots at us about the friggin' Ohio bounds. That's true. Oh, you, it I sounds can't. like a janitor from Wisconsin. Right, that's, that's something a guy from Wisconsin. It's probably a balloon. 
I don't know. I think they're the ones that say the moon's made of cheese, too. Probably. Anyways. <laughs> I got nothing. These two. Did they give his name? That guy's name? I'm a- trying to commit. Edward to- Pritchard. Edward Pritchard. Roger. Robert. Robert Smith. Smith. Yeah. You're both dumb. If you're alive, I'll come visit you in the nursing home. We'll talk about it. You're both dumb. And I'm for explaining away aspects of the Mothman and stuff like that, because we're going to get to that in one of these episodes. Mm -hmm. Those are not explanations. Not at all. Not reasonable. No, they're not explanations. At all. They're not. Some of the other Mothman sightings, sure. Mm -hmm. Sandhill Crane, I can get behind for some of them. They're less exciting. They're less... Like you see something perched on the tree, had red eyes. Yes, 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 yes. Or owls. Sure. Yeah. They're less exciting. And people were looking for the Mothman. Mm-hmm. So every little thing can become the Mothman. I get that. We'll, we're going to go over that. I have stories for that specifically. But when Dead Dog enters picture... A German Shepherd. A dead German Shepherd. This isn't a, a snitzer doodle or whatever the little dogs are called. Yeah, that's true. Let's go with that. This is, you know, upwards <laughs> of a 90-pound German Shepherd mm-hmm. that was seen alive approximately an hour before it was dead in the road. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have said it was a Golden Eagle. That would have been more because they're aggressive. Mm-hmm. They'll chase planes. Mm-hmm. These eagles will chase down planes in their airspace. Really? Yeah, bi- little biplanes and stuff like that. They'll wow. fight them. Wow. Pick that. <laughs> Say that. Right, yeah. Not Santa Crane. Golden eagles eat deer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I- I've never seen that. See, if a biologist, you really want to make an explanation, you can make one. Yeah. The Sandhill Crane boils my blood because it's just a lazy thing. Yeah. It was just laziness. That's I can tell. It was just a guy that was tired of these people asking questions, but it was his job to answer the questions. The government, the state was paying him. To answer? Yeah. Well, because he was a, a government or well, a true. state biologist. True. It's his job true. to answer these questions about biology. So, and he was so annoyed with it. Can't rock the boat. He's a sandhill crane. Yeah. It's obviously a sandhill crane. Now see what you got me turned into. What, one of me? Yeah, you're I'm a monster now. Yeah, you're turning into an anti, I don't know. No, I'm not. I just hate this guy. There you go. Because it was like, and I feel bad for the guy that said, like we already brought up, I can't think of his name, but the swamp gas with the UFOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he immediately felt bad. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, no, 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 that one, that one was swamp gas. Right. Not, not everything. Not 15,000 of them. I, I think you need to take a note from Zen Bigfoot right now and find you. Yeah, do you throw him? <laughs> throw him across the room. I don't know where my pen went, but oh, it's somewhere. <laughs> but excuse me, that's a half hour of just me yelling about Sandhill Crane. The neighbor, Kurt, our neighbor's probably terrified. Right. <laughs> but it's it's important though to bring that yes, stuff up. Yes, because it gets said all the constantly, time. and not just with this cryptid, and We're not pick just, an owl. Yeah, just their some, eyes shine red. Yes, but if you if you had no idea, they had, walk funny. It fits more descriptions. Yeah. If you, but if you had no idea, if you're just the outside looking in, and someone says this, oh, well, it's well, that makes sense. Yeah, a biologist, he knows more than yes, me. Said this, I, I agree. It's like all right, and then you're not, you're not even questioning it. It's just, oh my gosh, you're right. Yes, you are right. Not in a thought in your head. Yes, people, citizens or civilians, yeah, don't think about it. But there were so many other explanations that he could have used as a biologist mm-hmm. that fit better. Owls, for example. The, no, he's just dumb. He was dumb and lazy. Yeah. It was all it was. If it, he was a government shill, he'd have said the owl, because I'm going to bring up later about the owls. But wait, wait. Let's, let's, who else is dumb and lazy? It seems to be. 
right now, a current age? Or who else? What entity is dumb and lazy? Oh, the government, but they're so, not dumb and they're not lazy. Yeah, well, sure. In certain aspects. Maybe in explaining things poorly. Yeah, they just don't care. Exactly. Exactly. They just don't care. Maybe this but was this an example was, of... We're going to talk about the owls later. Yeah. That's the kind of the police push. Police push the owls over the... Yes. Maybe because they at least took the time to care and know, like, no, this I is No, I think stupid. that may have been somebody else. This no. is the story we're going with. Mm, gotcha. I think these two are just their own private idiots. Hmm. That they just... This is really what they thought. That they really... The one guy was just tired of it. Robert mm-hmm. just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Sandhill Crane. Well, I I've seen a Sandhill Crane once. What if what if uh, they were reached out to by you know just to play devil's advocate to say like all right this just happened all this stuff just happened let's find this guy he'll speak for us you know we're paying him. They, they he said that both of those were much later. Oh, they were much later. Yeah. Dang. Oh no, wait. The one I just read was uh was there's a date nineteen sixty six November seventeenth nineteen sixty six. Yeah. So when did this take place? The fifteenth. Oh, a was couple it? days later. Yeah, so the, the balloon one was immediately after. Right. And then uh, Roberts was like in December. Okay. So what if, yeah, what if uh, people were just reached out to, like, you need to come up with an explanation. Doesn't matter what it well, is. So just come up with it. We'll print it. We'll get it out that's there. That's what the DNR kind of did with Robert. Mm, okay. But he had time. Yeah. He was he, just lazy. Uh, yeah. And his... Like, you know, and it wasn't like they told him he had to. It's his job. Mm-hmm. When these, like... He's the state biologist. Explain what this could be. Yes, you're, this is your job. Mm-hmm. Nobody's telling him what to say. Right, yeah. They're saying you have to tell people. It's your job to tell people what you think, you know, what this is. Because mm-hmm. we're getting calls mm-hmm. every day. Hmm. You know, so, and he just was, he chose to be mean and lazy. Yeah. De, de, demeaning. Yeah. And lazy. It sounded like, yeah. It seems like it with that just description. Because mm-hmm. you discredit every. Major detail. The only thing he's to take into account is what it sort of looked like, and that's mm-hmm. literally it. What was the other guy's name? Eugene uh, uh, Pritchard. Uh, Edward Pritchard. Edward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he just wanted attention. Sounds like it. Yeah. Right away. He was just grabbing. He was just trying to saddle it. Put his name in the paper, mm-hmm. maybe. Robert only spoke because he had to. Yeah. Well, I mean, too. Also, I mean, I don't know the whole nature of that area at that time i'm sure it was nuts and crazy such a big episode that's all right but there's a a lot to unpack here that whole nature of that area in that moment of time this crazy thing just happens i mean we haven't even talked about the bridge yet that's what yeah that's probably episode three because i still have 16 encounters we gotta get exactly so but scarberries is a big one it's a huge one Uh, yeah it's the one that starts it all off but Mm -hmm. like so there's got to be hysteria kind of at this moment, and if a reporter comes up to you and it's like, "Well, what do you think?" and you just if you had anything at all to say, or you just want to be heard about whatever it is, you're gonna say whatever connection you can even come up with in your mind, like the balloon thing. That was Edward, right? Yeah. So that that's what happened with Edward, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Robert, he had to. If he wouldn't have had to, mm-hmm. I 100 percent guarantee he would have never put his put, voice in. This. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. He was one of these state guys. Ohio has a problem with this. Other states have a problem with this. These really old biologists, they get into a spot, mm-hmm. and they just go placid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, Don't rock the boat. As long as you're getting the paychecks coming in. It's not even don't rock in the boat. It's just they they just don't want to do anything. Right, yeah. I mean, everything's, their life's kosher. Why even? Believe me, if I was a state biologist and this happened in my district, 
We'd have a whole team down there oh, with backpack ma- shockers trying to shock it out of the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Like get Ghost, in the box. You look like Ghostbusters. Get in no. the box. Yeah. Come on. Oh, my God. Hey, you want a mouse? <laughs> you want a mouse? I'm waving a dead rat in the air. I'm, I'm Come here, buddy. literally seeing you dressed Come up here. in Ghostbuster attire. Come on. Come on. Yeah, get in the box. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's okay. It. Shock it, guys. Shock it. Yeah. Knock it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take it alive, but... Man, man, see, I would go on those adventures. <laughs> Did you like my Mothman sound? <laughs> and you see it flapping its wings all, like, Dart it. sparked in the, back in a corner. Dart it, guys. Shoot it. Shoot it. Yeah, 10,000 volts should do. Turn it up to 20. All right. Oh, my gosh. You got me so fired up about the stupid, the stupid explanations. I didn't know the balloon one. I knew the, I knew the Santa Hill Crane one. Yeah, yeah. Because that is, and then the thing with the Sandhill Crane is it gets used forever. Oh, yeah. And every other cryptid. Well, that might been, a, that could have been the biggest, uh, I guess, thought that got out to, to describe it biologically. Owls. It, Correct. They tried to call it locally the Owl Man. Hmm. They should have stuck with that one. It was a, it was a Batman villain. Oh, Owlman was? Yeah. Oh, it became so, one? No, it was before this. Before this? Okay. They didn't know it because it's this is, at this point, no name plays Point Pleasant, West Virginia. No population, nothing, probably. Didn't have to be Batman comics. Right. They tried to call it the Owl Man because it looked like a giant owl. And then DC is like, ah, uh, Sandhill Crane. No, the Crane. newspapers didn't like it because it was getting too confused. Oh, okay. So they changed it. They started posting Mothman. Well, they had other, they had like 15 other names like the Blackbird and stuff like that. But when they put Mothman, that's the one people would grab. Took off, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, We talk about all the time that alliteration. Mm-hmm. It's just too nice. Comes off the tongue too good. It has to be. But literally, that's, it. that's why the big story starts getting pushed later we're going into, of it being an owl, because it looked like a giant owl. It had owl traits. <laughs> it walked funny. It was owl man. It was a big owl. Yeah. Not really, but... Right. That's just puffy. <laughs> just getting right into it. It was an owl, you guys. Yeah. No. It definitely was not an owl. Right. Because we'll get into some radiation sickness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it was from the bottom of the Ohio River. Oh. But I don't know if any owls dive that deep. Oh, true. Well, what if something that deep, or something dove that deep came up, was all screwed up by the radiation, grabbed the an owl. Man. Grabbed an owl and... I don't know, fuse their bodies together, fuse that radiation, and it out of that, an offspring shot out, and that's the Mothman. The thing. The thing from, Mm -hmm. like, with Kurt Russell? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I forget what that is. I've never seen that full movie. Antarctica, it's... I know, yeah, I forget what the thing is. It's just just a piece of... It's an alien slime. It's actually... Okay, we don't have time to get into this. It's an alien prisoner on a ship that that crashed on Earth. Mm, okay. Because it's evil. Uh, Okay. But the... Yeah, anyways. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, Mm -hmm. and then we'll be back with more Mothman sightings, because we have a whole bunch of them that maybe have not been heard very often or whatever. Okay. And then we have, at the end of this section, untold stories. These are stories that I've had to dig to get. I like that. All right. Yeah. This will be fun. All right, guys. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. 
Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.